For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Hey Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. <laughs> Shop the Maggie's Magnesium range at Chemist Warehouse. Now starting from just $3.19. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Good morning, you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SNZ Thursday the 7th of April. We've got Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt bringing you today's sporting chat for three hours this morning and we can't wait to rip it. It's just after six o'clock, we've got a packed show for you today so we won't be running over any timings as Louis alluded to last night on the chat. Stay on time Louis, ah lads, Kempy, stick to your timings brother. We will get chopped up if we don't. So we've got a big, big show. We're going to kick it off today after 7. We're going to chat to the one and only Steve Williams. With the Masters only a short time from teeing off, we thought we would start the show with a bang. A man that has caddied for the best and knows firsthand the challenges Augusta poses is Steve Williams. So he's going to come on the show just after 7 o'clock. And wow, what a start. Well done, Louie. Sliding into his Texas inbox, and wow, you got a reply. And sirens are ringing last night when you sent us the uh, the confirmation. So, yep, Steve Williams on the show today. And following that, as you will all know by now, we are all a little bit excited for the Queen Elizabeth Stakes race <sighs> that is going to be run on Saturday at Ramwick. And uh, I'm on VE, very elegant. Louis on Animo. He loves a bit of Animo. He reckons that'll win. Uncle's on the Duas. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> you are, Uncle. You are, Uncle. You are, okay? So he's on Duas, and we have Edward Cummings, who trains Duas, coming on the show. The Cummings, famous, famous name over in Australia racing, Bart Cummings. So Edward Cummings is training. Uh, uh, do us, and he's going to come on the show. And Uncle's asked for it, so that's why we got Edward. <laughs> he's going to share us a little a lead in for the big race on Saturday. So, looking forward to that. And then, after eight o'clock, Super Rugby officiating has been at the forefront of everyone's minds as some of the calls have been a real head scratcher. Bryce Lawrence is the referee's boss at New Zealand Rugby, and he will come on the show. And we want you at home if you have any questions regarding what has been going on in the officiating of Super Rugby please don't be shy don't be hesitant send us a text on the text machine double eight double three any questions we will chat to Bryce just after eight and we have questions we would love to ask but I know you at home or at work or whatever you're doing today would love to know something so make sure you don't be shy and give us a text and then 8 40 ish this morning talk back we're going to open up the phone lines. Uncle loves Chantia. I love Chantia. Louis loves 
having a wee having a wee yarn as well. So give us a call on the Kenard Tire phone line throughout the morning, or in particular at eight forty. Uh, 0800-150-811. That is our show, and no doubt there'll be other topics that we go off on a tangent on, and uh, why don't we just start the show with that, and uh, welcome in the brothers from Aukalangi, Aukaland, Tamaki Makoto. Morena, boys. How are we? Morena. Pretty good, man. Pretty good this morning. You're right, Pack show. Um... Apparently, Mr. Cummins is a Newcastle Knights supporter too, I heard, I heard, Louis. So, is he? Yeah. Oh, mate, just you know, throwing that one out there. Right. Well, we're all Newcastle Knights supporters deep down, aren't we? We all, <laughs> we all love Lego. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't. I often don't take requests, uh, you know, too often about who we get on the show. I know Izzy from time to time, like Steve Williams. You know, if we get Steve Williams, that'd be great. Or um, Sam Pimfold, that'd be cool. You know, like occasionally. So. You should feel pretty honoured, Kempi, that when you came to me cap in hand and said, I just would love you to get Edward Cummings on because I'm really interested about Dewar, that I've gone and done that for you. That oh, doesn't happen it for sort of makes sense. It sort of makes sense now because I've been throwing names left, right and centre and I just <laughs> thought you didn't want to talk to me because I'd never get anything back. Just try to save it, mate. So dress out for the, the real... But now, now that I know, mate, I'm just going to... I'll just get back into my wheat books. It's, like, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that, um, Kempi. Having a wee chat to Edward Cummings. Obviously, the Bart Cummings. The Cummings name well, is just he's so going, famous. He's he with his brother, is he? Mm. James. Mm. He's training so, Animo. So who, oh, Louis, Louis, Louis. So you're splitting the family up, mate. Well, the family is, they are iconic. Anthony Cummings as well has <laughs> trained like 30-odd group ones, the dad. Um, Bart, obviously, the king of the Melbourne Cup. And... Um, James is the head trainer for Godolphin, and, and Edward—I yeah, wouldn't say it to him, but he could have poten- could potentially be a bit of the kind of forgotten brother because James has had such a high-profile job with Godolphin. But now you've got Juas. There's no hiding when you've got a mere this good. This race is this race is just tantalising. So we'll ask him how he thinks it's going to go, and Kempi can figure out whether he can what stick a, his dosh on. What a day, mate! What a, I've just been looking through the fields trying to look for some value, and. Um, what a day! What a day of racing! But it's just so hard to when you look at that race, the Queen Elizabeth, to go. Oh, yeah, no, dead set. I think this has got a, you know, a, a leg up over the rest of the field. Like even the brother, even the the Quinella for the brothers, like that'd be that'd be decent, mate. With Animo and Duas, you know. So, I'm, I seriously couldn't I couldn't pick it. That, what I would like to talk to um, Edward about is whether or not Duas has been named at the Melbourne Cup. You know, so. I don't know whether he's going to give us that that um, that bully this early, but if he if he sort of if I hear anything in the background, is he that says, "Yep, I think he's heading towards <laughs> the um, the Melbourne Cup, mate." I'm looking for those futures today. I can't. Yeah. And trying to find them. I'm trying to find them. Beautiful, beautiful, Kempi. Looking forward to that. And and mate, what, what, obviously I'm just looking at all the fields too. So you got the. Um, Sydney Cup, the race before at race seven, and you got race eight as the Elizabeth Stakes. Race seven, the chosen one. Louis, you'd know. You'd know. Is there any chance of Huey Bowman? If anyone can get the job done, Huey Bowman's on on top uh, for Baker Forsman, mate. Any chance or nah? But 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 far stretch for for the chosen one. No, nah, huge chance. I think he's run second in this race before. Um, remember, the chosen one over thirty two hundred meters takes the Melbourne Cup form, where he's run fourth and fifth. 
um, and, and he's run three Melbourne Cups. So it's a pretty incredible career he's had already. The only thing I would say is he's kind of waited out of it a wee bit because it's, this is real interesting. I, I don't, I'd have to talk to someone like Mick who knows a bit more about this stuff than me, but the second highest weighted horse is 51 and a yeah. half kilograms and the chosen one is 56. So a lot of the time for these Cups races, because they're set weights or penalties or handicaps, um, the trainers do a real good job of kind of making sure that they hit the preparation at the right time and their horses aren't winning too many races and don't get their ratings right up. And that looks like it's been the case for all of the horses. Uh, Chalk Stream, the Queen's Colours for Chris Waller is in the race as well, $9. You've got uh, No Compromise, who's from Taranaki, Bill Thurlow um, over there for Chris Waller as well. But, yeah, Waller's really got a, a stranglehold on the race. Crystal Pegasus with Jamie Carr doing the riding. <laughs> Um, and then the chosen one, he is the best horse in the race, probably. So he's, of course, he's got a chance, and and Huey could get it done. Whether he finds that fifty six kilograms too much over thirty two hundred, we'll see. A lot of weight, uh, yeah, a lot of weight. Yeah. The extra five kilos, um, he won't be getting any of my money. Put it that way. Um, when they when the rest <laughs> of them all running around, that's because you've spent it on Cinerama, mate. Well, that's the other one. If you're looking for some value, well, you you should. I was. I wanted to say something yesterday, like get on before Louis does, because it, it opened at two eighty, and before you push the right, I'm taking that. It went straight to two fifty. So um, that's running tomorrow night down uh, down in Awapuni tomorrow afternoon. If you if you're looking to to have a crack, some good bully around Cinerama. Um, Talk me through this, Kempi. I've always wondered. Alan Sharrick's stable is one that when the money's on, the money's the horse is on. So <laughs> you might not give up the trade secrets, but I've always wondered, is it Al personally that's punting or is it people in his stable that are punting? Because some some stables are punting stables. You can often follow the money with Tony Pike as well. Um, there's a couple of people, you know, Marshy, occasionally the bully comes out and you can follow the cash. Is is Al actually personally punting or is it someone in his team? No, no, Al's not, Al's not punting. I was not punting. We, you know, I'm not going to give you away the the ace up my sleeve, Louis, on how we do that, mate. So is it you? Are you the? Are you oh, getting mate, the, the, the? I've got no you're getting comment. Like the emojis come through to your phone, and you I've go down no to comment. the TAV, and I've got no comment. I was, you know, like I was, I was up for a hundred dollar fine from you if I gave anyone. <laughs> Cinerama before it opened, but I tell you what, someone knew because as soon as it opened, she came in three points, um, which is quite significant, you know. So the strategy around how you punt on her takes a little bit of a different angle for me <laughs> over the next uh, day or so. And um, to answer your question, mate, no comment. I have no comment. Just like a good rugby footballer, rugby league player, no comment. Great game. Um, is he just? Parking the racing chat for the second. Did you just see what Baz and Calcutta and Pat Cummins yeah. did? I did, mate. I caught the end of it. So I, I just turned it on and just seeing Pat Cummins unleash 50 or 14 or 50, 56 or 14, 15 balls or something like that, mate. Freakish. The quickest, one of the quickest 50s. Went on there. Tied fastest. They're under, the, they under the pump. Under the pump. Apparently there's a lot of talk about the pitch being difficult to bat on and then a, a bowler goes on there and, and unleashes like that and ruins the Mumbai Indians you can see it in <laughs> the Mumbai Indians faces mate they were distraught they had to, apparently they had to go I only turned it on really late so I don't really know what unfolded before but apparently they had the wool over the Calcutta Knight Riders and then Pat Cummins just come in and change the game 
and was oh. smacking and was yeah. smacking bombs out of the house. You, it reminded me of Super Mario. It was a Super Mario Brothers where he goes over that coin and it just goes ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> I was like, that one. I, I'm not. I'm not a PlayStation person, but I remember that game where the, you're running through something, you run through a coin, and it goes ding ding. All these coins go flying here. It would have been Baz sitting in the grandstand, mate. <laughs> Every time Pat had run, it was like going over this. Ding, 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 ding. Well, I, I don't think they can pay Pat Cummins anymore, but they they probably should because he's picked as the strike bowler, and he literally just. Dug them out of a hole. Is he? We watched. We were watching the game here, Kiz, mm. Joe, and me. And so they, you're right. They were in the hurt box. They were losing wickets. Yeah. Um, they were struggling to time it. Vintakish Iyer was anchoring the innings, but they were gonna. It was gonna get real dicey. If they lost another wicket, they were in massive trouble. And Pat just came out. And do you know what? Bears would have said yeah. to him, "I oh, just have a crack, mate." Just have a crack, mate. Just that's he, what I mean. Yeah, he just would have said, "Just have a crack, mate." And he's gone out there, and he's had a crack, and he's literally had the fastest fifty, tied fastest fifty in the history of the IPL. So it is like a, hist- a historic day over in India, and the Calcutta Knight Riders win it. I love that. I love that because we've had we've had bears talking about his mindset and what what's his approach to a game, and there's nothing better when you're a, a batter or when you're going out in a pressure moment. And your expectations on, on Pat Cummins wouldn't have been there for him to go and do that. No one in their wildest dreams would have thought he would have gone out there and, and done that and taken over the game and won it for Calcutta. So for, for um, Bears to 100% do that, he would have done that. To say that to Pat Cummins, look, just go out there, mate. Look, we're, we're in a bit of a hole here. Just go play your game and, and, and have a swing, you know, aim for the... Never fear the air is old. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bears would always say, <laughs> go out there and have a whack. And look what's unfolded, mate. That's what people remember. This is what people remember. Pat Cummins going out here and just changing the game, and he's a bowler. Um, mate, well done. And hopefully I'll flick him a message. Hopefully he'll reply shortly, and we'll give a wee update. But, um, mate, awesome. He's, uh, they've, only, they've only lost one game, mate, to Chennai. Yeah, oh, no, they beat uh, no, Chennai. They beat so Chennai. They lost they lost, to, um, I think they lost to Essence team. Yeah. Um, they just dropped one in the middle there, but they're 3-1 to start the year. Changing the game, Um very, very, very cool. Speaking of changing the game, is he? I was watching the TV last night and I saw something very uh, kind of interesting uh. pop pop up on the the telly. Um, I was watching the news and they do these promos about the project, and so I stayed on and watched the project for about the first time in my life. And this is what I saw. But going bald isn't just about losing your hair. There's the stuff other people can't see. Just ask all black legend is Rodag. Every photo, every video vision of me, I was running down the sideline and my hair was just floating up like two Batman uh, bat wings, you know? Izzy got a hair transplant where they take the hair from the back of your head and put it up top. And the best thing about it is actually your hair. It's no one else's hair. It's not a sheep's hair. It's not a, a horse furry head or, or whatever they use in other um, agencies, but it's actually your hair back to having haircuts and back to just the full crop. Bob's your uncle. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Is that, is that called, a, is that called the horse? Louis. Is that called the horse head? The horse head or the Batman? Louis, Louis. <laughs> yeah, you, you could have just spoke to me. You couldn't. You shouldn't have taken clips off the <laughs> off the show and just asked me about it. Wow. Okay. Now, um, it's yeah, awesome. Boys. So I did. Oh, I, I love it. I loved it. Um, you know, obviously, now I'm very passionate about my hair, and and I'm going to do uh, creating a little company at the. I've, I've created it. It's all up and running, and now the borders are opening. It's all going to um, happen over the next couple of months. My surgeon from Australia is coming over in, in May, 
So, yeah, they approached me uh, on the project, a guy, Tony Lyle, who we've had on the show before, yeah. the comedian. He's, he's a good man. Uh, he asked me about um, getting your hair done and the whole reason why I got it done. And I just said to him, look, plain and simple, it affected my confidence. I was really self-conscious about my hair and um, I kind of, everywhere I walked or everywhere I, I when I'm talking to someone, I kind of look at their eyes and if their eyes went up towards the top of my head, I'll just lose it. I'll be in a shower and then I'll just start going off and start thinking about, oh my God, he's looking at my bald head. So that's how much it really affected me. Um, so for me, I've, I've created this brand called Identity and, and what's it's, what, what it's about is just really allowing and giving blokes the confidence. If I come out and talk about it and I'm very vulnerable about it, then hopefully that can give other blokes out there confidence to really embrace um, the challenges that being bald faces and actually give you uh, opportunities to go get it, uh, you know, go get surgery or go get it, get it, um, you know, re, re, reseeded, as I say, or, or go get some new hair. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm creating this brand called Identity and just trying to help blokes reshape their identity and re find their confidence and um yeah that was a good start last night on the project thank you louis oh i saw it kimpy and i thought brilliant because i know how passionate you are and i watched it and do you know what it actually it actually was the best segment i've ever seen on the project but had mark because they had mm. mark richardson afterwards i don't know if you still actually watched it is he but yeah, yeah. rigor they they put um the shot of rigor up and he said yeah my hair looks all right from here but then if you look at the top shot which tv3 is contractually <laughs> not allowed to show he's got this island in the middle and he was saying yeah i'm probably right on the cutoff amanda gillies who um i, I just think amanda is one of the most wonderful people she said that she's got yeah. alopecia on on the corner of her here and she's had it tattooed and they had a really genuine conversation about it and I just was, I was so proud of you man like I thought it was such a crap, cool like vulnerable piece so that's why I played it not to take the piss or anything yeah, I think good, nah, on, nah, good nah. on you I, I, good on I you know. I know and that's, and that's cool Louis and that's what it's about like if I'm coming out and, and talking about it and then Amanda Gillies does it Mark Richardson and you got Jesse Mulligan and you got Tony Lyle like personalities on TV that are really open about it honestly straight after that um little viewing on the project my inbox blew up oh like, awesome yeah you know, messaging me and, and and asking me about what i got done and so look it, there's a there's an opportunity there and that's what i want to showcase to people out there that you can actually get it done it doesn't hurt there is a uh, there is a cost to it with like everything but honestly best investment i ever made and for Kimpy, who's just full-time skucks there's just no need in the world best here and, look at best here in sports media they reckon um Joe's asking for tips every day, oh. but Kempi's going to have to make him. There's a, cu- there's a couple of takers here, Lizzie, just quietly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sign him up. I'll sign him up for identity. 20, for 21 minutes past <laughs> six o'clock. That is it. That's, that's, some, uh, that's some great chat. It's not all sports around here. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of other stuff going on in uh, the world of Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Baz over there getting a massive win for Calcutta Night Riders. Ching, 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 ching. Go, <laughs> go the lads. Back here, there's plenty going on. After this, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about what we might get from Bryce Lawrence later on. There's still no decision publicly, as far as I can tell, about Caleb Clark. The decision would be made, but if anybody knows what it is. I can't find it on the internet anywhere. I'll do another search up in this break here. On the other side, we'll try update you. 22 minutes past 6 o'clock here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. All right, we're 26 and a bit past 6 a.m. We're still trying to figure out whether Caleb Clark will be free to play or whether this red card is going to stick to him. Uh, Hopefully we can work that out before Bryce Lawrence comes on the show. The New Zealand referees rugby 
rugby, New Zealand rugby referees boss. He's always good and always fronts, is he? There's a couple of things I'm curious to know, and that is around um, how much leeway the referees really do have around this word interpretation of the laws. That's one thing that I would love to know. What does interpretation instill in the referees, and how much is it really up to them on the field? That's my main burning question. Do you have a burning question you're curious to figure out from Bryce, or is it around Caleb Clark and the red cards? Um yeah, look, there's a lot of questions I'd love to ask Bryce, and we'll, we'll get. I think this one's more about the red card and the situation of the red card, because there's going to be a lot of situations and scenarios that are going to unfold with this happening. And my first question is, what what do players need to do differently? Like, because players are going to jump off the ground when someone tries to kick the ball, they're going to try and do it because that's just their first probably instinct to try and charge the ball down and get up and and grab the ball. So they're going to. Uh, try and try and jump again. So can they leave the ground, or what is something else that they can do? Is that still a part of the game? And then if we did, uh, and the other question is, if he didn't hit the head, if he didn't hit his head, what would the outcome be? Would there still be a yellow for taking the player out? Would there, uh, would it be a penalty, or would it be play on? Because it's just general play, and he, because he's in the air, he can't do anything with his body, he can't move, because he's, he's already taken himself out of the game by jumping. So those are the questions. Is Can a player still leave the ground and try and charge the ball down, or is that going to be ruled out? Um, yeah, so the, it's going to be interesting what he comes back with and has a chat about. And then obviously officiating with, uh, um, I think there was a play in the Moana Pacifica game when Levi Umoa ch- was steamed out of the line and um, took off one of the Hurricanes. Wes Hulson, I think it was, took him out and hit him in the head. Yeah. But wasn't kind of rushed out of the line. Hit him in the head but didn't intentionally and, and wasn't a malice type of act, but kind of clipped him in the shoulder. He got a red card and, and sent off, or I think it was the other card, I'm not unsure. But like just situations like that, what are they refereeing? What are they looking at? And how can it be refed differently so we don't have the situation where there's five red cards in five weeks? Yeah, yeah really interesting. Is Look, I, I think um, I would like to know what the forecast is for rugby union in the future I think I think referees when they sit down like you have coaches sit down uh, in rugby league and they look at look at the rules and see if they add some changes to the preseason. they trial them out and then then you roll out in the game roll them out in the game um, during that season what I would like to know is do the referees have a forecast on what the future of the game looks like because what I'm seeing is I'm seeing it being um, sort of refereed too much like you can't you can't play rugby you can't Make like a little indiscretion based on a on a rule, and and have a have a game that flows like like even when I spoke to you as you know like sometimes you're standing out there in the back line going mate look at these mugs sitting in there packing the scrum four hundred times you know what I mean like yeah. get on with it get on with a football game I want to know what the forecast in the future mm. looks like for rugby union are we because of this collision. Um, position that we have in and around protecting the head so that we don't have these concussion issues going towards a game that has less contact, less collision. And if that is the case, what are we, what are we going to have if we don't have collision? So your question, Kempe, is around do the referees and other referees are privy to, say, like a five-year, ten-year plan about what the sport 100%. looks like from and their th- point of view? And I, and I honestly think that's where, we, where we're headed. I'm not looking at what they're doing now. Mm. I'm looking at where it's going in the future because it looks th- like that way every year. And rugby league is the same. 
it is drifting away from collision. Yeah, and it, look, this is World Rugby's conversation. It'd be interesting to know whether Bryce is at the table and how much he hears before then he passes it on to the referees in New Zealand uh, in our competitions. So that's where Bryce will be coming from. It's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting question. Double eight, double three. We will start banking your questions for Bryce Lawrence right now. Double eight, double three. What do you want to know around rugby, especially around the red card conversation that Izzy's having and, and protecting players' heads, but also understanding that this is a collision sport and there is going to be uh, accidents that happen. Is it up to the players? Is it up to the coaches? What more can be done? What do you want to know? Send us your messages right now. It's Arahal the News for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> Line him up. 26 and a bit away from seven. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. And it's Queen Elizabeth's Stakes Weekend. It's Championships Weekend, day two. Oh, this is beautiful stuff over in Sydney. They do racing so well over there. The godfather of Sydney sport, Peter Volandis. Um, Love Racing.NZ is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Today, we're racing at Wanganui boys uh, and it'll be a soft seven and remember we're on the Australian well we've brought our track ratings to the Australian system now so a soft seven uh, will formerly a, a slow seven but it's now a soft seven so there's racing at Wanganui today there's a nice a couple of uh, there's a rating 74 and I just and like I'm not tipping it but I thought that it was interesting that Shampers from Peter Didham took a bit of cash straight away. Speaking of following money, so there's a couple of Didham runners going to Wanganui today. Shampers, and I think there's a, a horse called St. Nancy in as well, the race afterwards. Right in the each way sort of market where you know I like to play with Parksy doing the riding. So that's what we're looking at today. But this weekend, and no offence to New Zealand racing, but this is just what happens. Australia really takes the priority on Championships Day. And we love to follow the Kiwi connections. We've already made mention of the chosen one. He's got to lug a lot of weight. In the big dance, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, let's try to find some Kiwi connections, eh? Because there definitely will be them. We all know about Very Elegant, um, the Kiwi trifecta, Chris Waller, J-Mac, and, of course, the Kiwi bred Very Elegant uh, by Z from New Zealand, raced up at Ruakaka, then won a Melbourne Cup. We have got, as well as that, I'm Thunderstruck by Shocking of Rich Hill Stud and uh, was bred here. I'm pretty sure Trelawney uh, sold I'm Thunderstruck, so he's got the Trelawney stamp, I'm pretty sure. So there are a couple of Kiwi connections there, and I, I would not be surprised to see I'm Thunderstruck run a massive race at $13 and three thirty. He handed the heavy track last week in the Doncaster. He's on the quick backup, and he's a very, very talented galloper. He won the Golden Eagle last year. And just looking at the heavyweight discussion, I saw Hugh Bowman was asked, because he's riding Montefilia, who's just won over 2,000 metres in Group 1 company in the Ranvit Stakes. So there's no reason Montefilia can't upset the apple cart here at $8.50, $2.40. Somebody asked Hughie Bowman, who is in such good form, who's your biggest threat, Hugh? And he said, I'm worried about Zaki. So there you go. And that's from one of the jockeys who's going to be on the back. He said, I've also got a lot of respect for Very Elegant because she's a champion mare, but is he? Zaki. And uh, I don't know if anybody's Whoa. on Zaki apart from, <laughs> is it Trent on double A, double three? 
Trent's on, on Zaki, so he'll be chomping at the bit from that little call from Huey Bowman. He's worried about Zaki. Jordan number three, Jamie Carr on top. Um, yep, mate, honestly, just, just a beautiful race. I'm looking at all the other races. So there's three races leading up to that race where you just got juicy lips. Juicy lips heading into the big one in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. Look, look at the stakes, mate. Four and a half million, four point four million that race is worth. And then the race before, two point two. And then just the race six, just a little one point one. <laughs> Come on. Gypsy man. goddess, Kimpy, in the Oaks. Uh yeah, look, I don't mind Gypsy Goddess, but I think the value look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Ice Bath. Oh, and the, the queen of the turf? Yeah, I yeah, think that's the right. value bit of the date, especially with the rain that's came in yesterday, today, tomorrow, and they'll get it again on Saturday, and Ice Bath has got skates on when it's so wet. So I think that's real good value of the money, uh, value and where the money should go. And uh, I think I think if you want to fill your pockets early, go on Paris Dior. I think Paris Dior can't be beat early. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Moral alert. <laughs> Moral alert. Somebody play the moral alert, Sting. I uh, can't be beat. Great point on Ice Bath. You're actually giving me uh, PTSD, though, from this time last year where Kieran um, McAvoy, we might have had another nickname for him after he managed to pop oh. probably out at about the... Um, he put her out at about the 600, just swinging off her because she's been backed into, I think it was like a dollar seventy or something. And he's swinging off her at the 600, comes out, take, decides he doesn't want cover, and then who appears li- like right on the line to roll it? Ice bath. And we, let's just fair to say, probably was going for plenty that day. So um, there's a little bit of PTSD involved with ice bath in this particular race. But now the racing's so good across the board. And remember, today at Wanganui, then tomorrow at Awapuni. Uh, we're having a look at the, the race that Cinerama s- steps into, which is another group race. More black type on her resume if she wins this. Kempi, we know how valuable she is already. She's well-bred. You're going to have so much fun breeding from her. It's very, very exciting for you. This could be her last race, potentially? Uh, yeah, it looks like it probably is, um, unless Ellen can find something for her before the you know before the rain starts really coming down. So, um he did say to me about a month ago that he's probably got two more races for her, and then that's it. he'll put it to stud. Uh, so, yeah, we might be nice to go out on a win. Um, oh, I'm quite happy with the $2.50. I think I think that's quite generous, uh, given the form and how Zola Express race time on the weekend. It, it ran fifth in the last start, the cuddle. So I think it gives us really good form. Uh, I'm just waiting for the bookies to open up another another race. We you can't know, say which one, though. We can't say which one, but I'm just waiting for the bookies to open up another race <laughs> because I think that's where the value comes as soon as that as soon as soon that one opens, then we'll get on. It's, Louis, um, okay? I'll then we'll get on. We'll send it the WhatsApp. We'll put it on till our nose bleeds. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be a moron. Um, 31 starts. She's a seven-year-old mare. She had that, that issue with her back and in the barriers and just been looked after a treat by... The great Alan Sherrick. What a journey, mate. This is awesome. She's run second to Melody Bell in a group one. If this is her last start. Mate, did you see that run, Izzy? Where she ran second to Melody Bell? She missed the jump, mate. She missed the jump by 10 links. So she had this problem and she wouldn't get out of the gates in a group one. So yeah. we're, we're sort of going, man, we're, we, we might be a chance. And you're going, like, Melody Bell, like you're going, like, you know, be quite, be quite happy to run, you know, in the top three type thing when Melody Bell's running. Well, she's missed the jump, and they're all gone, and Melody Bell's in the run race, and she's missed it by 10 lengths. 
Well, she's just taken off out of the out of the gates, and she's stuck to the inside of the track. And before we know it, she's up the up the inside, and she's got Melody Bell by four links, and she's in front. Oh. And I'm going, mate, I best to get going here on Melody Bell. Otherwise, we got her. And it seriously looked like we had her. And then Opie's just sort of opened her up, and I think Melody Bell got her by. One and a half links or something. Yeah. Didn't he? he got he got her quite he, easily. He, he in the got end. her. He got her in the end, but it was it was Thorndon Mile two years ago. Yeah, two Thorndon Miles ago, and um, now very very cool. She's been a wonderful mare. We'll talk about her again tomorrow, Kimpy, while we are live from Eden Park. More about that. It's nineteen minutes from yeah. seven this morning. We'll tell you about Eden Park and our odyssey with the chemist warehouse in a bit. Right now it is time for Quizzy Dag, and it is a Masters-themed quiz. So get your golfing kit on bucks. and come and see Double us up. for a hundred. Double Def, up. Put it on Cinerama. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dad come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy Dad come play it. Quizzes on the line. Just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that come play it. Quizzy that come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Yeah, wrap into it. We're going to wrap into it. What about my Lakers? We haven't even spoken about that. They got terminated from the, eliminated from the playoffs. Horrible, horrible. Anyway, today's all about the Masters. Listen to that music. <laughs> I was thinking, what song is this? It's the greatest song oh, of all. such a beautiful, beautiful. And Louis sitting here in his 2003 <sighs> Masters cap, is he? Like, oh, mate, that's it. an love antique, it, that thing. We should have wore our white overalls that or a little golf attire. <laughs> all right, dirty. Let's rip into it. We're going to go to Damon from Palmy. Morning, Damon. Morning. Morning, morning. We're going to rip into our Masters theme quiz, giving you the chance to win $100 from the TAB. Here we go. We'll rip into it, eh? Question number one. Who was the first winner of the US Masters? Oh, jeepers. I'm going to have to phone a friend straight away if that's possible. Well, well, it is quite hard, and it is quite hard. I'm going to break it into two into two um, parts and I'll give you the second part the second the second part is Smith because I don't know if you'll get the first one part is Smith I'm just going to go Mark Smith <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mark Smith 50% it's right it's not Mark sorry bud thanks Damon have a good day mate Brenton good old Brenton from Auckland hey buddy good support Kilda, hey Brenton. bro how are you Oh, I'm good, bro. You boys? Yeah, we're we're really good. We're up and about today. Who was the first winner of the US Masters, Brenton? Is it Horton Smith? Yeah, it was Horton Smith. Question number two. Which hole would you find the Hogan Bridge? The the clue's between between 1 and 18. (laughs) Can I find a friend? Find a friend or not? 
Yeah, okay. Uh, Geordie Barrett wore this number last week. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Tough. 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 Well done. Great clue, Kimpy. Jeez. All right. I love Geordie Barrett. Number three. Who starts this year's tournament as the world number one? Uh, Scotty Scheffler. Oh, it is. Hey, and that, and that clue is he that, that clue is he was going to go. I was going to go beam me up. <laughs> oh my gosh, Uncle, you're on a heater today. Here we go. Question number four: Which golfing icon's grandson famously hit a hole in one in the par three comp while caddying in 2018? That's Jack Nicholas's son. Jack Nicholas's son. Oh, grandson. Yep. Grandson. Yes, it was. Well done. Question number five. For Steve Williams joins the show. Joins the show after 7 a.m. What quaint New Zealand golf course has he been a long time patron of? What What quaint? It's, that's the adjective, uh, mate. It's quaint. Oh, I was just say, I don't even know. Augusta National. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty quaint. No, not Augusta National. It's pretty quaint. It's a, t- it's a tough question. <laughs> tough question. Steve Williams. It's a hundred bucks on the Steve line. Williams. Yeah, it is. It's good. It's good. Okay, we're going to go to Ed Brett's Cuzzy from Tolaga Bay. No! Morning. Morning, Ed. Morning, Ed. It's your time to shine. Apologies to Ross Taylor, I didn't know that. And Izzy, apologies to you, Cars, but that was a good try there. That's <laughs> <laughs> It's all good, brother. It's all good. I love it. Love the banter. All right, you got to get this one to win $100, bud. Here we go. Good luck. Steve William joins the okay. show after seven. What uh, quaint New Zealand golf course has he been a long-time patron of? Um, the Grange in Papatoi. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> not bad. Not a bad shout. You should have phoned a friend. No, you should have phoned a friend, man. Oh, unlucky. Have a, have a good day. And we're going to go from one cuzzy to the other. Brett. Come on, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you get them all on. He right? left the gate open. He left the gate open. He left that fellow out again. Ooh. Love it, love it Alright, you want to win it? Steve Williams I want to win it New Zealand Golf Course, has he been a long time patron of? Which New Zealand Golf Course? Uh, I think one of He might have, but that's not the answer Oh, that would have been that would have been two hundred dollar bets and t- what's that two weeks? Yeah, yeah. Unlucky. Hey, ninety seconds oh. on the clock. Let's speed this up. All right, Anton. Anton. Hey, Bo. Hey, Anton. Is it uh, Steve South Head? No, oh, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's South Head, brother. You won the hundred dollars. Congratulations. Woohoo! Where, Where you put it? Where you put it? Oh, probably Warriors halftime, Cowboys full time. Oh, sad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then another 50 on the wires, 1 to 12. Yeah. Oh, like it, like it. 
Good man, Anton. Oh, well funny. done. And Southhead oh, is a beautiful little quaint course out to the west. If you're in the Auckland region, you never played it. They do grab one vouchers. Never played there. For, no, forty bucks. Never even heard of it. You can get on there for forty bucks or thirty bucks with a grab one voucher. It is really cool. It's country course. Oh. It's awesome. Um, probably about forty five minutes from Auckland. Go and check it out. It is six and a half away from seven. Masters morning. Steve Williams up after seven o'clock. And we're going to hit our Greyhound charity run after this. At home with results in 15 minutes with Helgen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run. Yes, it is. Greyhound Racing New Zealand, grnz.co.nz. Uh, they love their dogs, and we love our dogs, and they love to race. And this week, we're going to Addington, race nine, in the name of Child Cancer Foundation. All our profits go to them. We've found the winner. It's the, the, the key is in the name here, is he? Money Spinner. Mm. Money Spinner from <laughs> box one in race nine at Addington tonight, mixing its form, but look at its box one stats, nine starts, four wins, and a second this dog loves the red bib and tonight it wins for us at $2.30 and the Child Cancer Foundation Greyhound Racing New Zealand grnz.co.nz I love it Louis money spinner, race 9 tonight box number 1, going to get the job done and raise some more money for that great foundation, the great cause that is Child Cancer Foundation, good work mate coming up after 7 we're going to talk to Steve Williams because it is Masters week and we love Masters, Louis got his hat on and I just that is my favourite time of the year. If there's one vent I want to go to, it is the Masters, hopefully shortly. So Steve Williams coming up, and then Ed Cummings talking about the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. So we're off to Crave a Mac Cafe about now. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building the all new. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ Thursday, the 7th of April. Tony Kemp, Louis Herman Watt and myself bringing you today's action. Two hours left of sporting goodness. I'm looking forward to ripping into this next hour. About 7.40ish, we're going to have a chat to Edward Cummings, who trains to us, coming on the show uh, at about 7.40ish. And we're going to talk about the Queen Elizabeth Stakes race. That is going to be raced on Saturday at Randwick. 4.4 milliracks up for stakes over there in that famous race. And there are some absolute champions. I'm on Very Elegant. Louis on Animo. And, well, Uncle's on Duas. So looking forward to chatting about that. And after 8 o'clock, we spoke earlier. We are talking to Bryce Lawrence about New Zealand rugby and the officiating. And if you have any questions, we've got a couple on the text machine. Make sure you forward those through to double eight double three with any questions for Bryce Lawrence, who is the boss of rugby refereeing in New Zealand for New Zealand rugby. But right now I'm pumped for this one because it's Masters Week and this is my by far one of the most enjoyable and event I really want to go and witness live, the Masters. It's time for our McCafe coffee catch-up because tonight at midnight, it's all on. The 2022 Masters underway at Augusta National where there will be 91 golfers vying for their piece of sporting legacy. Steve Williams has walked every inch of what most of us have only drooled over through the TV. He has caddied in multiple successful Masters campaigns with Tiger Woods 
and then Adam Scott too. He's on the line now, and we really appreciate him joining in the show. Steve Williams, good morning. Hey, good morning, boys. How you doing? We're doing very, very well. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, uh, Steve, does does the Masters still excite you? Are you still one of those events that you, uh, are still on your calendar to to watch about? You know, to watch what's about to unfold on on the TV. Yeah, I, I think um, Augusta is one of those events that, like, not only for people that are golfers and golf fans, I think it, it it takes in a lot of people from all walks of life. It's just one of those iconic sporting events that. You know, people like to watch the Masters. It's just one of those events. It's, uh, and, and I'm no different to anybody else. It's, uh, you know, I mean, the US Open, the PGA and Open Championship, they're all three great tournaments, but the Masters just got something a little bit special about it. Tell us about the week, the week here leading up to a Masters. What's, what's it like, the anticipation, the crowds, the energy that is around Augusta? Um, you, can, you, can you share us some of your memories from what you, you remember? Yeah. Well, it's somewhat different to, to you know, the Masters you know, has a lot of different things compared to a lot of tournaments. One of the things is there is obviously they have uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday during the practice rounds in today's par three event is they let as many people in the gate that want to buy a ticket, basically. Well, they don't buy a ticket. It's mm-hmm. through a lottery. But so you, you can get, you know, 50 to 60,000 people there on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And these are people that, that are not regular golf fans, most of them. And, and the noise and the excitement uh, around their Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then come Thursday, they let what they call the patrons in. So these are people that have been going to the Masters year after year after year. And those people continue to get their tickets through their family and however they get it. So it's a very hard ticket to get it <laughs> to. Um, so you get you know, unlike most events where the excitement you know builds Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This one has a tremendous amount of excitement Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you know that they, they they have a lot of security at Augusta, so everything is very formal, and you know there's no, there's no yelling out like I've, I've seen things. There's no cameras and that. They're very strict on things there, so it, it has a lot of mystique to it, Augusta. Hey Steve, it's Kempe here, mate. I'm I'm uh, when Louis told me that he was getting you on today. I, I've always wanted to ask you this question. I'm going to let them talk Tiger Woods and and who you think's going to win the, the the championship. But you, with the caddies, like for me, the analytical brains that actually are driving the engine. All right, looking at walking the course and looking at the course and seeing where the the bumps and the and the drops and the where all the grass and where you're going to want them to place their shots. Do you sit down like? weeks out beforehand and plan what you're going to do the week for the guy you're caddying with and and during that week leading into those three days that you talk about do you have like um time on your own or do you talk to the other caddies about strategy how how did you do that tell us about steve like you like how did you manage that for such great players like scott and, and woods yeah, well, obviously, you know, when you've played at a tournament, you know, you play your practice rounds and then you obviously have a very good feel for how that player wants to play the golf course, how he's going to attack it. So, you, you know, you have a game plan starting Thursday morning, which you've discussed with the player, clearly. Um, and obviously that game plan can change on the back nine Sunday in any tournament. So you, one of the things you always talk about is if we get to the back nine Sunday and we're two shots ahead, we're two shots behind or we're tied for lead, how are we going to... Are we going to alter our game plan? And if so, how are we going to alter our game plan? To, you know, so forth. But um, at Augusta, so every morning 
before every round there. You go out and walk pin placements. You got like they give you a pin sheet. You know where they are, but it's so beneficial visually to know exactly in your head exactly where that pin is, so you know that you can tell your player you cannot miss this flag to the right, or you need to be here, and so forth. It just makes a big difference. Mm. So. It's, when you're canning at Augusta, it's actually a very, very long week. The golf course is obviously very hilly, which is hard to see by TV. But um, there's a lot goes into it. But yeah, you, you, you've got to have a game plan, and, and that's what you sit down. Like I said, you play your practice rounds, and you, you'll base your game plan on the, on your players' strengths and weaknesses that week. Uh, and, and then you go and make your game plan and, and, and uh, tee off on Thursday. Nice. Steve, from your experience, what is the key to have success at Augusta? What part of your game really needs to be right on to, to give yourself a chance come Sunday to, to, to push for Augusta Green Jacket? Well, you've just got to have complete control of your irons there. Like, there's no other place that you play where you're, you have to hit the ball the right distance. So you've got to hit it into the right part of the green there. So you have to have complete mm. control of your irons there. And sometimes what happens at Augusta is uh, it's springtime there, and they get a you know they can get a lot of rain leading into Augusta, and the fairways can get quite wet. And obviously, when the fairways are wet, and you, if you take some kind of divot, the ball the consistency with the distance goes a different diff- distance. So you always find guys there when the conditions can be wet, which it looks like it might be tomorrow there. The guys that don't take whopping big divots seem to play better because they pick the ball off the ground better and they, they can control their distance. But the, the key to there is your distance control. You, you cannot hit the wrong club at Augusta. So when I would caddy there, that was my, you know, I just focused not, you know, not on, the, on the score, what the player's having, but making sure on every single shot you've got the right club in your hand. So um, that's, just, that, that's critical there to hitting, you know, there's some holes there. You know, for instance, the sixth hole, the par three there, if you hit the wrong club there, you're basically not going to make a par because it's impossible to get it up and down from over the green and so forth. Or, or when the pin's on the back right there, you can't get it up and down from short of the green. So you know, club selection and, and distance control is the key to success there. Nice. And, and tell us about the relationship of a caddy um, uh, during these vital tournaments like the Masters. Like, you've obviously... Got, you know, you know that you've walked the walked the course. You kind of understand uh, what's going on out there. Do you feel like uh, players are listening? Like the relationship between the caddies. Can you, as a caddy, can you talk one of the players out of potentially making the wrong decision? Is have you had situations oh, like that yeah. in, in your yeah. in your um, caddy? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That, that's what makes a good caddy. Like. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people uh, when you're in the caddy world, and that's what you do. A lot of say, you know, there's, there's a thing we call the yes man. The caddy's just a yes man. What we mean by that, he just agrees with the player all the time because he doesn't want to get fired. <laughs> but you know, absolutely, that's what makes a good caddy is a caddy who can persuade the player to the way that he's thinking, and and, and the player feels comfortable knowing on the information he's given mm. them. So that, that that's a, you know, that's a very when. You know, sports people of any golfers are no different. That when they get under pressure, that sometimes they get thinking a little bit, you know, wayward. And um, there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. in golfers and individual sports, and so forth. But yeah, absolutely, that's what makes a good caddy. Is a guy that you know is fully confident in what he's doing, and he has no problem persuading the player to think in his direction. Steve, we've we've been lucky enough to have uh, Cam Smith's caddy Sam Pinfold pinners on the show a few times. Is it cool to see another Kiwi flying the flag out there? And when you were talking about iron play and distance control, all I was thinking about was Cam Smith because he's a bit of a wizard, isn't he? And and pinners is definitely not that yes man. He's quite a critical thinker out there. Is it cool to see another Kiwi doing so well in that caddying space? 
Oh yeah, look, especially we're both from Tarapam Beach Golf Club, so it's kind of awesome. So you know, I'm I'm in contact with Cam or with uh, Sam all the time. But look, that realistically, you know, they've got to be just about at your top of your list as, as favourites. You know, Cameron Smith's having an incredible year. He, he he's taken three weeks off after winning the Players Championship. He'll be absolutely primed. He knows the course. He loves the course. Um, he, he it would be very it wouldn't be surprising to see him take that green jacket this week. I mean, he's just he, he's at the pinnacle of his game right now. So he'd be He'll be oozing with confidence, and that's what you need around there. So I'd look for him to have a very, very good week and have a chance of slipping that green jacket on. Oh, that that was like that was like Christmas to Louis' ears then. We're doing cartwheels in here, Steve. At 14, at 14 <laughs> bucks. He's on. He's on He's on with bucket loads. Hey, Steve, so that analytical mind, like, yeah, I just want to talk about the way that you approach things. What about your stock cars, mate? Do you make sure, like, when you're hitting that corner at 400 miles an hour that you're dropping it down to third? Do you, do you walk the stock car course? Are you still doing that? Are you, your passion? How do you address that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's the same thing every time. Like when you get, you go to the racetrack, the same thing. You, you know, you go around the racetrack, you take a screwdriver around the racetrack, and you, you dig the screwdriver in to see how soft <laughs> it is or how firm it is. So, but you know, look, a, a golf course. You know, obviously, it's, you know, an eighteen-hole golf course. You, you, when you're a caddy in that, you can't walk the course enough times if you know what I mean if you can just find one bit of information that might help you that someone else hasn't got it could be the difference between winning and losing it's uh it's a it's a great battle being a caddy that one of the things I always love to do is every time I went to a new golf course I'd go into the pro shop and find one one or two of the assistant pros and say can you give me is there any hidden keys to this thing you know where does the wind normally blow from is there some holes that play longer than others and some that play shorter than others like at Augusta one of the things there the more times you've been there the more experience you have with the wind, way the wind swirls around what they call aiming corner, 11, 12, 13. And it's unbelievable that you can be standing. The highest point on those three holes is the, is the, is the 11th fairway where you're hitting your second shot on. You can be looking down the 11th green, the flag is going to be blowing straight right to left. You can look at the 12th green that's blowing the other way, and then on the 13th, it's blowing a different direction. And that is can very, very confusing. But the more times you've been there, you know which flag is true and which way the wind is actually blowing. And that's why there's a... Those are great golf holes, and people probably watch on TV and can't understand the 12th hole. It's only 150 yards shot. I mean, it's a wedge or a nine-iron for the majority of the pros. They probably can't understand the difficulty of the hole, but it's not, the, it's not that the hole is difficult. The wind is, is absolutely swirls around there. So, um, And the more times you're there, you know exactly by the way those flags are blowing what the wind's actually doing. So there's a lot of, you know, like it's, that's why sometimes... Well, not sometimes. There's some players there play, you know, played so well for so many years because they just know exactly where that wind is, uh, and that's one of the key things down there on those, particularly you know, Sunday. Those holes are you know, vital. 11, 12, 13. You know, you saw a number of years ago, um, Jordan Spieth had a, a, what you would consider an insurmountable lead uh, of a player of his caliber, and he made seven on the 12th or par three. You know, one that mm. you could, you know, some of the yeah. players could throw it on the green. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I could throw it on that green. That looks tiny. It looks like you've got to hit something that is so bloody small, that hole. It's uh, ruined many a uh, green jackets for so many players. Hey, quickly, just before we, we let you go, uh, Steve, um, just got to ask you about Tiger. Tiger's coming on, and he's, he's made the announcement he's going to play at the, U, at the Masters. Uh, what are the expectations for Tiger with what's gone on the last 18 months? Come back from injury. You know, you spoke about the hilly course that he's going to have to try and walk for a couple of days. You know, uh, expectations, can he do it? Well, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it's fantastic for golf that he's back, number one. And, of course, you can imagine the excitement mm. there. 
this week at Augusta, particularly on the practice rounds, and those people there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, knowing it's the first time he's been sighted on a golf course since February last year. But it, mm. the Tiger's mentality uh, is that he would not enter a golf course unless he believes he can win it. So in my mind, he, 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 he's teeing it up there, and, and the only thing he's thinking about is winning the tournament. He's not playing to make the cut, make an appearance there, you know, so forth. He's thinking about winning the tournament. Cause his mentality is that he does not tee it up unless he thinks he can win. So um, it'll be no surprise to see him in contention there. I mean, it's a big ask, obviously, but, you know, he's Tiger Woods and yeah. he's proven everyone wrong before. So he'll be, um, it's great to see him back there. But, and it, look, it would be no surprise to see him play well. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. We love hearing that from you, Steve. Quickly, I've got a text machine, uh, text message for you just before we let you go. Can you please ask Steve how he got into caddying and then how did you get onto the tours? We've got some listeners that will be keen to try their um, chance around at caddying. How did you get into it? Well, look, it's a, it's a, it's a long-asked question, but uh, basically in 1976, uh, my father introduced me to Peter Thompson, who he knew, um, and mm. I caddied from at the New Zealand Open at Heratonga, and that's how it started. <laughs> okay. There you go. Simple. Go find a pro, jump on their tail, and you'll be away. That's from Steve. <laughs> it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show, Steve Williams, and giving us some insights into Augusta and what's going to happen over the next couple of days. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, and enjoy the stock car racing and whatever the future holds for you, mate. Thank you so much. Yeah, and don't get, get plenty of wages on that 14 to 1 on Cam Smith. Put it on there. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> <it>. Steve. <laughs> That's perfect, boys, because after this, we're going to come back with our official Masters tip. Steve Williams, he's left us with 14 to 1 to Cam Smith. It ain't 14 to 1 for long. Uh, well, I've lost a dollar. I tell you what, if you, if, you got the, if you got the 30s if, a wee while ago before Cam won uh, the players, you'll be licking your lips right about now. Double eight, double three, or 0800 150 811. Masters freaks, golf freaks, who are you tipping? Top fives, top tens, power plays to win. We're going to talk all of it after this on Baz and Izzy for Breakfast. That's Steve Williams, icon of the green jacket, really, when you think about who he's got to wear it throughout the years. Uh, an incredible Kiwi who's done amazing things on the world stage. Awesome to catch up with him. Back after this with our Masters Tips here with the Kim's Warehouse. Great savings every day. Ah, just warms the heart, doesn't it? 24 and a half past 7 o'clock on Masters Thursday. Midnight tonight. Well, tomorrow morning on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. A, we're going to be live from Eden Park for Dan Carter's Kickathon with Chemist Warehouse. More on that coming up. But also, we're going to be updating you the live leaderboard of the Masters and... It is a brilliant morning, Friday morning. Bacon and eggs, whether you're watching it at home. Uh, text double eight double three. what are your official Masters tips? Well, give us a call right now, 0800 150 811. I'm going to throw it off to our resident golfer in his golfing kit and his white overalls that he's borrowed from either the pool boy or the gardener, <laughs> says Richie. Uh, Izzy, what are you going with? Ah, <laughs> oh, look. I, I, I had Cam Smith in there, obviously, because he's um, oh, just on a heater at the moment. He's playing extremely well, and he's coming off a win, and he knows Augusta. And then, obviously, Steve Williams has confirmed that, so you, it's hard to go past him. But I can't not back my guy, my favourite golfer, that I always back, and he's won me a, f- a little bit of money on the TAB. Um, I'm going with Colin Morikawa. 
I'm going with Colin Morikawa, who's paying $21 on the tab to win outright. Uh, I think he's a good, solid bet. He's the, like you, take, you talk about iron players, mm-hmm. Colin Morikawa Scientist. will be top five, top three with irons. His five iron will be able to pin, like just hit a dartboard anywhere, mate. He is so good with his low irons and then anywhere with an iron pitching wedge. So I'm going Colin Morikawa. And then there's also this power play, boys. I've just had a wee look. Cameron Smith and Scotty Sheffler yes, to both six finish. Bucks. Top 10 is $6. Now, that, if that's a, just a gimme bet from the TAB and Paulie Moate, I don't know what is. So I'm going to go chuck that one in there too, mate. I Izzy, that is on my list. I had two bets, and we <laughs> well now we're going to have to get a little syndicate going, aren't we? <laughs> Now we're gonna have to yeah, get a little syndicate yeah. going. Kimpy, did you find that, that is he... juicy? Oh mate, that's. But do you know why? Because Scotty Scheffler's. You look at his. He, you look at his uh, record this year. He is absolutely carving it up. He's played twelve events. He's won a quarter of them. He's finished second in another one. He's had half of them in the top ten, and he's made the cut in all but one of them. Like Scotty Scheffler, there's a reason he's world number one. He is running so hot. Yeah, and he's my pick. Yeah, he's my pick outright. Scotty Scheffler to win it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yep, coming, coming off the fence, is he? Um, 15 bucks, nice. Yeah, $15. Oh, mate, it's a good top five. You know, Joe Rahm, Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Scotty Schiffler. Yeah, I like Scotty Schiffler. I think he's a chance. I like that bet too, is he? I think I think that $6, mm-hmm. mate, anything over 3 bucks for me is good, good going. So finding that um, exotic. Yep, I'll have a little bit of a tipple on that one as well. Don't mind it, Kempe. Um, Izzy, I'm on your six bucks. I had picked two out, one six dollars. The next, but the Cam Smith and Scotty Sheffield top ten, and I've got Cam Smith outright to win it. But top yeah. five, Xander Schauffele. Now, Xander Schauffele puts on a clinic in the majors. He is so clutch in the majors. He's always there or thereabout. He's played the Masters four times, 2018 here in his first time. And, and there's some crazy stat that if in your debut year at the Masters, this is why Will Zalatoris was so insane last year. It's so hard to contend. So you write the first year off. Then he came back in 2019 and he tied second. 2020, he was a top 20 and tied 17. Last year, he was tied for three. So in four starts, and you throw away the first one, so three starts, he's been T2, T3, T17. So I'm taking Xander Schauffele, top five, at $5. I think that's superb value for a guy who just contends perennially in the Masters, is he? Beautiful. I love it. Love it, Louis. What about a roughie? You know, I've got a roughie because I've got a roughie. I've gone and looked for a roughie paying 126 bucks. Harold Varner III, the little man who loves wearing Air Jordans as his logo. Harold <laughs> Varner III, he's paying 126 bucks. He won a, a, a tournament not so long ago. I don't, I don't remember the tournament name, but he won the tournament and he drained, I think it was about a 48-footer to, to win the tournament on the 18th hole in the DP um, We'll tour, so that's my love a roughie, Harold Varner. Love, a, love one out wide. Hey, Richie's on 0800 the Kennard's High phone line. Richie, who are you going to tip out, buddy? Mate, top 10, Tony Fina. Uh, I think he's a dark horse to win it as well. I think last year he got, he, I think he was in the top 10. He always, he loves that course as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm on Cam Smith and uh, a cheeky fiver on Tiger Woods to win at yeah. 51, so... Love the confidence, Richie. Tony Finau loves the course. His ankles, not so much. Bang, short and sharp from Richie. And then on double eight, double three, uh, we've got Mark, who's deep into Tommy Fleetwood top five. 
And J- John T from P Naughty, Palmerston North, has gone. Colin Morikawas, he's up you up with you. Is he twenty to one? Loving Colin with those. He's a scientist with those irons, as you mm. said. Mm, I like that. I like that. He's a he's a Colin Morikawa fan, and he has been quiet, but he loves a major. He's always there thereabouts. Last year he was pushing Hideki to about the third round. I was on obviously Colin Morikawa, and then he kind of blew out, and he, Hideki came over the spot and <laughs> won it, paying forty ones. Forty ones people got. Hideki Matsuyama last year. So, mate, it's it's great. And you can, I can't even pick a horse, let alone someone <laughs> in a golf tournament. You know, like, so it is a bit of a stab in the dark. I wasn't going to say anything. Before. He, he had I've three bogeys before, in his Kempe. first round. <laughs> I've done it before. I've done it before. I picked Brooks Kepka about three years ago. I'm not going to tell you how much, oh, but I'll tell yeah. you what, I got paid. I got paid, and I've done it. So, yeah. We're good. Bang on, is he? Uh, the Kenatai phone line, 0800-150-811. Richie's tipping out Tony Fina. Who do you like? Give us a call right now. I've got some breaking news on Caleb Clark to give you after the news with Aroha. Here she is with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Seven away from eight o'clock. Double eight, double three. Your tips for the Masters are screaming through. We'll get to some of those in a second. Steve Williams, well, he knows what it takes to win a Masters. Caddying, of course, Tiger Woods and Adam Scott in more famous moments than I've had hot coffees. And he joined the show this morning to talk about what makes a good caddy around Augusta. Yeah, sports people of any golfers are no different. That when they get under pressure, that sometimes they get thinking a little bit, you know, wayward. And um, there's a lot of pressure in golf and individual sports and so forth. But yeah, absolutely, that's what makes a good caddy. Is a guy that you know is probably confident in what he's doing, and he has no problem persuading the player to think in his direction. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense, especially when you're in the pressure cooker of those very skinny. Augusta National Fairways, man, it is a tight-turning course. And I told you, Caleb Clark, a bit of breaking news via Ollie Ritchie of News Hub, very sharp rugby reporter. The information's hard to get on this sort of stuff, so he's saying, I'm told it's a three-week suspension for Caleb Clark, a tough one indeed. This is for Caleb Clark's red card. It was a late night at the judiciary by all accounts, so we're still waiting for a real official word on that, but the whispers starting to come out via Ollie Ritchie that it's three weeks. Bryce Lawrence, New Zealand rugby referee's boss, after 8 o'clock, we can get his reaction and your reaction on double eight, double three throughout the morning on that one. What's your gut there, Izzy? Mm. One, I want to know where the whisper comes from, because Ollie Ritchie always gets the scoop. So whoever he's leaking, whoever's leaking in that New Zealand rugby union needs to really... We don't like leaks, eh, Louis? (laughs) He's an honorary mailman, (laughs) Ollie Ritchie. (laughs) He gets all the gravy before anyone else. But um, first thoughts is horrible. (laughs) Um, You know, like three weeks? I don't think three weeks because it was all, it was already a debatable topic before he even went to judiciary. What whether he was in the wrong, whether he was in the right, you know, like it's still up for debate. Like what else could he have done differently? I've obviously spoke about it. Like jumping in the air, you put yourself in a vulnerable position and um, a position where you can't. There's no way out of it. So that is the question mark. But three weeks for something that was out of his control. Like if he didn't hit his head. And he just took the bloke out, yellow card, probably wouldn't have any problems. But it's the head contact that is the issue at the moment, and that is the big talking point with World Rugby. Um, 
Yeah, quite surprised he got three weeks. To be to be honest, Louis. Yeah, this, this kind oh, of so am I. So am I. Is he? I, look, mm. I, I, I don't agree with it. I think that you know Caleb jumped before he kicked the football, and he's travelling. I, I heard something really mm. ridiculous on the radio. Like to do it like basketball, when you jump up and down, you jump up straight up and down, <laughs> and you're in your own space, and and then that's fine. Mm. I'm like, but we don't play rugby or rugby league standing on, stationary. On standing stationary. So. Mm. I think I think you know yeah. if it's true what he got. I think it's really harsh. I, I just wanted to go back there onto the golf thing. Go, um, go for it. I, I might have told. Did I tell you the story when I met the Mizuno guy? Yes. I've told you that story. Yes, I met him with my daughter, and he's anyway ends up being the general manager of Mizuno. So he phones me as he. I don't know. I just wanted to ask you the question. He goes, "Oh, the All Blacks are coming over. They're playing. They're on the Northern Hemisphere tour. Can you come down and be our guest for Mizuno?" And I went, "Yeah, sure, mate. You know, there's Tanumanga and and um, Irami and all their boys, Zinzan and all them boys. You know." So headed down with Dave to, to the, the golf course in London and get down there, mate. And I I sort of knew a little bit about the All Blacks. I talked to Reggie about it when he made the Kiwis. You know, like we just, you know, mate, get gold watches and drive around in Porsches and all that sort of stuff. You know, us, us <laughs> league boys have just had our XY Falcon Calm wagons. Calm down. You're lying now. And um, <laughs> I pull up, mate, and the bus pulls up the All Blacks. And, but an extra and salt? Mate, listen, listen, listen. This is a true story. And there's 40... <laughs> Brand new um, sets of Mizuno top-of-the-line clubs, mate. Each one of those, those sets, I reckon, would have been oh, 15,000 pounds. No. 100%. There was 36 <laughs> sets of golf clubs in a line for them. To, mate, and they just hopped off the bus and picked up a set of golf. Izzy, is that what it was like? Like everywhere you went, you just got the it's thrown Kimpy. at you? Okay, two things, two things. Sometimes <laughs> I think it's kids doing an impersonation of you and that it's not actually you. And secondly, remember Izzy said about staying on task. We've got all these master's tips here and you want to talk about <laughs> Mizuno oh, golf God. clubs. Uh, Paul from Harder was concussion, mate. Concussion. Tipping out Rory, Cam Smith, Patrick Cantlay, Louis Ustase, and John Rahm. Grant, um, no, who we got here? Uh, we've got someone tipping out Christian Behazen at 126s. That's loose. Lucas Herbert at 151s. Get on the roughies, lads. That's from Eden. And there's lots of. That's message. a good shout. Yeah. Lucas Herbert, uh, Louis. Sorry, bud. He, he played in the New Zealand Open uh, when the last New Zealand Open. He actually lost. To Brad Kennedy came second, and now he's been playing over there, and he's playing some good good golf, and he's it's a good shout. I like that one. And Fred Couples top forty. Keep your messages coming through. We'll get to them all. Don't worry about that. On double eight, double three. Unless Kempy's got some story about some Mizuno tennis balls he wants to roll out. <laughs> Twenty one away from eight. We've got Edward Cummings coming up to talk about the Queen Elizabeth mistakes and do us after this. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Plenty of messages coming through on Caleb Clark's uh, result at the judiciary. We're hearing three weeks via Ollie Ritchie's Twitter account. We'll talk to Bryce Lawrence up after 8 o'clock, so don't go anywhere to miss that. But Kempe, racing is on our mind. Yeah, well, that's right. And the boys haven't been excited for racing such a long time such as the 2022 Queen Elizabeth Stakes, which will be run this Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry, at Renwick uh, on day two of the championships. And to say the field is stacked is an understatement. You know, you've got your horse, very elegant. Louis, I like that. Zaki probably lead from the front. Anna Mo just keeps getting better. And don't forget about the mare that is everyone wondering how good she might be. Apparently, my pick, Duas. Yep, I like that one. I'm just hoping I'm saying it right. I'll ask Ed. Ed Cummings, trains Duas. Out of the Hawkesbury Basin has been good enough to take the call this morning. Hey, mate, how's it going there? Yeah, very good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, 
Mate, we love we love getting the Aussie trainers on because they're so honest and, and give us really good feedback yeah. and well the whole three of us get straight out of here and get straight to the TAB and put our money down on <laughs> the horses. Hey, um What about what about am I saying the name right? Duez is how how do you pronounce the name? Uh Jewess. Jewess. Oh mate, now I can now Jewess. I can say it. Louis's been pumping me up about it all week, so that's my that's my pick for the week. What do you reckon? How quickly should you become a star? Well, you know, it's one of those things, right? Like, I thought she, she was a star for a while, but um, just just needed time to prove herself, uh, I guess. Uh, where, where, where for most people, they've sort of seen her come up out of nowhere and demolish a couple of Group 1 fields in the last two starts. So, um, you know, from the, from the beginning of the preparation, we always felt like the Aussie Cup and, uh, and the Tancred were the, the two Group 1s there for the taking for her. Uh, but the way that she's won them has sort of really, I, I guess, like really made everyone sit up and take note. Um, mm. And anyway, we're, we're, we're pretty happy with ourselves heading into the Queen Elizabeth on Saturday. Hey, Edward, Izzy here, mate. Great to have you on the show. Hey, Jewess, um, last race, it really surprised me. The boys were pumping Jewess up before the race. I'd never watched... Uh, the, the mere race, and I was like, oh, yeah, here we go, way at the back, and then just steams over the top and just wins by an absolute train. Um, mate, it, much, such a, much of a freak, like freak of a horse, and, and let's be honest, is that uh, all part of the plan? Is that all part of Joyce's plan to get back, give horses, give you know her eyesight, you can see a lot of horses in front of her, and then just build up a lot of momentum and vigor to try and get over the top. Is that part of her plan when she races? Well, well, it certainly is now. Is he like? Um, mm. I think she's capable of of building um, her repertoire uh, as far as like tactical positioning goes. Um, mm. You can only imagine, I suppose, had she been, you know, in a one-out, one-back spot, how much further the winning margin would be, right? Mm. Um, yeah, and it's not this. <laughs> Not not dissimilar, not dissimilar to um, to almost like incentivise that seem to improve significantly going from four to five, uh, like she is now. You know, so she's a year behind where incentivise was, uh, but she's got an even better performance page than he did. So, um, look at the moment, it's working very well, and she's she's doing a great job. And we're not not really going to change it this preparation, but you know, I'd love to see her start to. Um, a little bit closer in, in the run in um, preparations to come. Hey, Ed. Nice. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. We Obviously, I'm looking forward to getting a little bit older and a, and a bit smarter as a racehorse because she's definitely got the class. But how, just from your point of view, how do you see the, map, uh, the, the race map out from the start with so, so many good horses in the race? Does Zaki go to the front? Um, dictate the pace, you know, do you get too far back? Do you got to try and chase down those good horses in the front? How do you see it panning out? Um, well, I'm not worried about being too far back uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, the quality of the race um, is sort of there for everyone to see, right? So, uh, if you know, trying to map it out, you probably do have Zaki up front, um, and then you've got your pick of either sort of think it over Montefilia or Animo, then making up that middle section, and then you've got sort of very elegant and me um, bringing up the rear. And in those races, 
there's always going to be a little bit of pressure. Everyone knows that they're on a good horse, so they're going to think that they can apply a bit more pressure to the horse up on speed. You know, the midfield pack will think that they can put a little bit of pressure on that second pair. Um, and then, of course, you know, horses like Very Elegant and Me are going to be coming into it on the back of those horses. You've got, you know, five, four or five really good high-class horses that are going to be rolling into the race off the back of one another. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, the pressure start to build a little bit earlier, like like you might see in a Cox Plate, um, which is only going to suit a horse like mine, I, I think. Um, and mm. I think it'll also suit uh, very elegant. Um, and second of all, it's going to be a really, really testing track there um, on Saturday. And, and you could see that the, ta- you know, that the, that the pattern of the day last weekend, despite a few races being run very, very steadily, um, the, the horses that were running on were the ones winning. Uh, they were running on from very off the back of very slow tempos. So I don't think tempo-wise it's going to worry us. I don't think as far as like fitness it's going to worry us. I think we can handle the track. Um, and I think the, the race actually maps out pretty nicely for us. Oh, well, your brother James lines up with Animo, mate. Has there been a bit of banter this week? And how special would it be to get you up on that pedestal, flying the flag and beating your brother? James, who is racing with Animo? Um, <clears throat> look, no banter as such. Um, a little <laughs> bit covered, I guess, in the in the, in the press. Uh, I can tell you, I, I reckon, you know, I, I think we'll be very respectful and sombre um, of each other, no matter who wins. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've got like 60 million reasons why they'd like to win. And, and I know I've only got... <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've and I've only got four, but I, I, that doesn't make my four any less important. I think. Good man, Ed. Great, great answer. Great answer. Keeping your brother, keeping your brother's weights up. Hey, um, I've That's got right. to ask the question, mate. I've watched these last two wins of Dewey, so It's a very, very good mare. Are you taking it to the Melbourne Cup? Is that the goal? Listen, it's I. I think that's got to be the goal. You know, I think she'll run two miles. I, I think she loves Flemington. That's, just, you know, what was part of the reason why we we went to the Australian Cup there, uh, this preparation. Um, you know, my grandfather did it with more than a few horses, getting them down to Melbourne early, in a, even a preparation before. Like, you know, I remember him sending Saintly down to the Australian Cup as a three-year-old after I think he'd run well in an expressway and maybe in Apollo or something like that. So he'd gone 1,200, 1,400, skipped to 1,600, ran with Guineas or Canterbury Guineas and went straight down to Melbourne for a little tune-up uh, in the Australian Cup and he won bolting in um, and then came back and took on uh, octagonal in uh, a roast or Guineas in a derby and then, um, and then he won the, the Melbourne Cup the following prep. You know, like I, I just think the way that she's come up, the grounding she's had now uh, will hold her in perfect um uh, stead for for that kind of preparation in the spring. Awesome, Ed. Well, you've got one to win this weekend with the Queen's Elizabeth Stakes, and I'm and I'm on it. And if I wasn't on it when they were trying to get me on it all week, I am now after talking to you there. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Job and done. Anyone, and Job if, done. If anyone can go down to Melbourne and win a win a win a Melbourne Cup, it's the Cummings boys yes. uh, with the grandfather on the back of that. Thanks a lot for joining us, Ed. All the best this weekend, mate. The whole of New Zealand are Thanks. looking forward to this race. It's the best one so far this year. Yeah, same, same, same for Australia. We'll, we'll love it. It'll be great.
Cheers, Ed. Thanks a lot. Oh, Kimpy. Izzy, we've done it. We've got Kimpy on Jewels. Good to you, much, eh, Uncle? Well, mate, I'll tell you what. When it comes not from – basically, the person that talks for the horse is the trainer. Yeah. In it, you know yes. what I mean. Like, like if Duas yeah. was, if I could phone Duas up and go, "Hey, brother, how how you go this week?" and he said that to me, I'm on, I'm on like Donkey yeah. Kong. Amazing, Kimpy, uh, and the Cummins. Like, he's got all the IP. He's referring to Saintly there. Like that is incredible. He's got that gift that bar- passed down to his kids, and then the third generation now. Incredible stuff. Ed Cummins. If you missed that, go check it out on Baz Nizzy for Breakfast the podcast channels. We're gonna go around the ground with Rainbird after this on Baz Nizzy for Breakfast. Around the Grounds with Rainbird, the intelligent use of water. Yes, indeed. Every Thursday I'm going to take you around the grounds and let you know what you should be watching out for thanks to Rainbird, the intelligent use of water. Friday night, well, let's look at the Super Rugby. Highlanders Moana Pacifica at Forsyth Bar, 7pm. Saturday, we get the Canes Crusaders, 4.30 at Sky Stadium. Chiefs Blues get the follow-up game at 7 o'clock in Waikato. The racing, well, we've got Awapuni tomorrow, Rickerton and Rotorua on Saturday. Of course, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes Day, Championships Day at Randwick. The NRL, well, we'll all be watching the Warriors play North Queensland Friday, 8pm at Dolphin Oval, Redcliffe. The Football Ferns are in action this week against the Matildas. 9pm tomorrow night at Queensland Country Bank Stadium and it's a wee bit far away from us here in New Zealand but we're all fired up for Augusta National, the Masters, tonight at midnight and tomorrow we're going to be at Eden Park, around the grounds at Eden Park for Dan Carter's kickathon with Chemist Warehouse. They, he kicks off tonight at 7pm. We'll be there from 6am tomorrow, Daggy. I can't wait to rip in. That's around the grounds with Rainbird the intelligent use of water. Yes, beautiful. Looking forward to getting to Eden Park tomorrow. Well done. Thanks, Louis, for giving us a wee update. What's going on around New Zealand and around the world too? Augusta, I'm just watching the par three competition, mate. Oh, I'm so fizz for this. So fizz to watch Augusta, the Masters, unfold over the next couple of days. Coming up, we're going to talk to Bryce Lawrence, New Zealand rugby boss, referee boss for New Zealand rugby. He'll give us all the rundown for what's going on with the officiating. We're off to track down some McCafe coffees right now. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. I've just had probably the most proudest moment in my fatherhood. Um, my son's just come in. He's got a school uniform on, boys. A hoka. He's yeah, heading man. to do an integration day this morning with his mum, and he's slowly integrating into school, and he's got his uniform on. And um, Man, that was such a cool moment. Say hi, Arlo. Hi. Yeah, you going to school? Cool, eh? Are you five on Saturday? Yeah, see you, my boy. Anyway, <laughs> pretty pretty proud moment for me. Sorry, lads and and team, but um, yeah, he's got a school uniform. It's awesome. The little tack is growing up. He's five on Saturday, and Louis, I have to tell you, WhatsApp group has been set up for the fathers of this rugby team, the Christchurch <laughs> team. It has all happened. So yesterday, daggy, Louis, daggy, you'll love daggy. this. <laughs> you'll love this. 
you you will really love this, mate. I get a message, and I get this group, and it's Ripper Rugby. I was like, oh, what's this? Who's this? Anyway, Sam Whitelock set up this uh, WhatsApp group. How's it going, everyone? Sounds like this Ripper team is up and running. No pressure on the kids to perform. Laughing emoji. What's the preseason plan for them? <laughs> and then I've come in. <laughs> That's typical Sam Whitlock. Gets all handy on it. He loves 400s. it. Four hundreds. And then I've just, <laughs> I've just written back. Henny Mullers, yeah. run them to the ground. <laughs> Get the Henny Mullers gone. Effort. Yeah. And then someone said, uh, toughen them up. I'd be surprised if um, this is Rito's son even runs on the field. And then Toddy, Matt Todd comes through. It could be a sideshow. Lockie will be more into the halftime oranges. <laughs> so, and someone's come through. Someone coming through with a good player of, play of the day sponsorship. Anyway, all the lads are up and about. Ripper Rugby. Look, I've already spoken about I don't want him to play for Christchurch, but it's going to be cool. He's got all his mates, and um, uh, it's a team that will be, uh, yeah, be interesting to see how it this unfolds is, with uh, Izzy, <laughs> this podcasts. comes the same yeah. day we're having a conversation yesterday about uh, you about Kempi oh. and, and athletes of uh, athletes that have kids not putting pressure on their kids and you're making them run Broncos <laughs> before r- Ripper Rugby. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, get it. I know. <laughs> I know. It's all it's all tongue in cheek, but um, it, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't happy with with him going to play there and Daisy picking my team, but he's got all his mates and it's going to be quite fun to watch it unfold. Anyway, sorry, that's enough. We're off on ta- on, on on tangent right here, but I'm going to bring it right back because Caleb Clark. And the conversation. I'm going to read a few of the texts from uh, our pundits out there, and I want to get your reaction to this one as well because this is a great question from uh, someone that's haven't left their name, but great question. Change Caleb Clark's scenario slightly. He goes up and catches the ball. His knee still hits the winger's head. Does the Moana Pacifica player get a red for tackling in the air? So you turn around, and Caleb Clark actually. Catches the ball from that chip, gets taken out in the air. Do they roll reverse? And does the player that has kicked the ball and then all of a sudden has to tackle the guy in the air and and Caleb Clark comes down and falls in an awkward position, does it get reversed? That's a very good question. It is a very good question. It's one of the questions that need to go to Bryce when we talk to him because then Mm. the, the, I don't know, I think, I know in rugby league, the rule changes to the, the person who's on the offensive side catching the football and then you become mm. the defender tackling the player in the air and the and the onus then mm. goes back onto the defender. So, um, yes, really, really good question. Does he then knock himself out and get sent off? Mm. Yeah, well, that's well, there's already rules in place for the catcher. You know, you're not allowed to touch them while they're in the air. You're not allowed to, you can get up and compete, but you're not allowed to take them out while they're in the air. You've got to protect the player that is in the air with the ball. Um, so, yeah, that'll be a fascinating question. We'll ask Bryce shortly when he comes on. And then we've got another one. Caleb Clark's decision is, this is from Richie, but explicit, but doesn't surprise me. Common sense has it gone from most decisions made by referees and the judiciary. For example, it's okay to shoulder charge a player if that player goes on to score the try. That should charge That shoulder charge is only illegal if the try isn't scored. And he's referring to Sunday's game when uh, Julian Savia scores in the right-hand corner, and I think Alex Nankerville shoulder-charges him. Obviously, Julian scores a try, and Artie Savia asked the question because it was in the right-hand corner, and luckily Geordie Barrett was, was right on fire with his goal kicking that day. He kicked it straight down the middle. 
But if that was a sh- uh, like it should have been refereed, a penalty try, the kick is already guaranteed, so they run back to halftime. That's a seven-point turnaround without having to kick the goal from the right-hand corner. So, look, there is a, a few question marks for common sense, and uh, we've got Bryce on the line right now, and uh, we appreciate him coming on the show. And everyone out there is very passionate about officiating and the decisions that have been made uh, in rugby in particular. So keep those text messages coming through on the text machine. We've got Bryce on the show right now. Double eight, double three. The officiating of Super Rugby has been in the spotlight to start the Super Rugby season with question marks over how many red cards is necessary to protect the players. This morning we have reports leaking out that Caleb Clark has been handed a three-week ban for his jumping clash on the weekend gone by. Bryce Lawrence is the referee's boss at New Zealand Rugby and he's been good enough to join us this morning. Good morning, Bryce. G'day, mate. How are you going? Going very, very well. Uh, Bryce, we appreciate you coming on the show and we love it how you front every single week. So thank you for that. Um, Caleb Clark's situation, I know it's been at the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, I had a great text message on the text machine and I want I want you to decipher this one. Change the Caleb Clark scenario slightly and he goes up and he catches the ball but his knee still hits the winger's head. Does Moana Pacifica guy, uh, and the Moana Pacifica guy takes him out in the air. Obviously, Caleb's got the ball. Does that change the situation, and, and what would be the, the right decision if that unfolded? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Um, I think it does change it quite a bit from a referee point of view. Um, mm. It's exactly the same if Caleb had actually charged that ball down. Um mm. You'd say that he did, you know, that his actions were absolutely um, fine. So it just shows that it's a fine line, isn't it? I mean, mm. we know Caleb, a good player. You know, he's not trying to hurt anyone. Um, powerful yeah. guy gets really high in the air, um, doesn't charge the ball down, and then collides. Versus, as you say, jumps up and does charge it down, and then collides, mm. or does even catch it, which he's more than capable of doing. We've seen how he chases kickoffs and that. So I just think it's a fine line, mate, and the referee just goes back to trying to make the best decision they can on the day around is there head contact, yes or no? Is there foul play, yes or no? And that's the one that everyone's debating. Um, mm. You know, is there any... What's the severity of the collision or the, or the contact? And is there anything I need to mitigate? And and I don't know the outcome of the Caleb incident. I tried to find out before jumping on with you guys, but um, I haven't been notified of that, so... You're hearing that yep. there is a, an outcome, but I haven't heard anything. Sorry, mate. Yeah, no, no. We're just hearing uh, little leaks from our little insider there at New Zealand Rugby. We won't, we won't name and shame him, but... Um, <laughs> no, 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 we got no one. It was only Richie. <laughs> it was only Richie. He's, uh, he's tweeted something. Hey, just... What is, it, is this going to change the... <laughs> Sorry, Bryce, just having a week. But it is three weeks. Is just, but it, is, it, is, it does sound like it's three weeks, Bryce. Three weeks. That's what Ollie Ritchie's got the scoop. Mm. I don't know why this stuff isn't publicly available straight away, but Ollie's got his uh, spies in there. Yeah, well, I, um, I've only seen the same tweet as what you guys have, and um, I jumped on the phone mm. first thing this morning trying to sort of like, you know, get a bit of background knowing I was coming on the call with you guys. But, um, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting because, I mean, obviously um, the Blues, you know, will we'll, we'll consider that outcome and then consider their um, next steps. But um, I just think, you know, foul play's been around a long time and everybody says, oh, it's mm. easy to see this and it's easy to see that. But they are the most difficult decisions that a referee has to make live. And, you know, let's take this to a club situation on Saturday. 
<laughs> with no TV mm. and no no TMO, that they're difficult decisions they live on the spot. So, um, you never used to get that high, that Izzy, did you? When you jump, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually about to just lead into that, Bryce. I've actually been yellow carded for the same situation. I did not get that high. You're right on the money. I couldn't <laughs> even jump over someone, let alone near him in the in the temple, mate. Like, what what are the what? what is this going to take, if this situation unfolds again, it probably is likely going to happen, uh, the players, are they going to be told now to not jump and stay on the ground and, and turn and, and hold your ground? Or or what's the solution here? You know, like we can't control I've, everything I've, happens yeah. so quick, but, you know, like how do we, so we don't have the situation unfold again? Yeah, I've only seen this type of incident twice. There was an Irish flanker couple of years ago in South Africa who went to charge the ball down and landed on Pat Lambie, the first five for South Africa. Yeah. Uh, I think he got red carded um, because it was decided that, you know, he went, he came in, he didn't didn't affect the, the action he was trying to do. Um, mm. I don't know, mate. Every time there's a collision in the air, you know, even from those box kicks, um, mm. there can be some pretty horrific landings. I mean, it all goes back to player safety, but... As we know, and you know better than me, mate, in a contact sport made by bloody good athletes, there's very small margins between something mm. going perfectly and something going slightly wrong. And I don't know if we can com- can change that as long as everybody commits to the player safety message, which, in my view, coaches and players in New Zealand totally get that, and they work hard yep. to be good at it. Um, it's, it's just there's small margins, and sometimes it goes wrong. Hey, Bryce, really refreshing, mate, having a, a referee on here talking so candidly about the role of a, of a I guess, a coordinator and, and how hard it is for a referee to, to referee not just club games but when you've got the spotlight of the television on you as well, make those decisions. I guess a lot of it has been left up to interpretation, but my question is, like, are you part of the, the forecasting for the future um, collision decision-makings when rules start to be put in place? Are we... Are we really, um, and this is, I think, in the overball sport game, not just rugby union, seeing the end of the collision? And are we in five to ten years' time um, watching a game where we're back to tackling around the ankles like Michael Speechley did for Cronulla, as opposed to um, taking you know serious um, hits up above the, the chest line and, and anything above that, no matter what it is, whether you're jumping in the air or, or hitting shoulders on... Uh, anything above your shoulders, uh, you're basically going to be sent off. Is that the forecast in the future? Well, it's, I, I don't know the exact answer, but it's not what I'm hearing. I mean, everybody is definitely very aware of the player safety issue, and I think we all get that. But in the modern game, if you tackled everyone around the bootlaces, they'd just offload the ball in every tackle, and you'd probably never be able to get the ball back to be able to actually try and attack against them. So... I mean, it's, there's been trials around um, tackling below the nipple line, tackling below the waistline at junior levels in different countries. So, I mean, people are experimenting, but it would definitely change the modern game at the elite level, that's for sure, because they're just so good at the offload and it's such a great part of the game that sometimes the only way you can defend that is to try and tackle ball and all. And But but doesn't that fix the game, Bryce? Margin. Like, for me, doesn't that fix the game? Like, in rugby league, if we went back to, to tackling, you know, uh, below the waist and rewarded that tackler and stopped the wrestle, because I think the wrestle ruins rugby league, 
doesn't that mm. doesn't that actually fix the problem? Doesn't doesn't that need a courageous decision to be made around taking that a, a, another step further and not just about well, if you tackle below the legs, you're going to get the offloads. Well, that actually is good for the supporter who, who's watching the game because the game then starts to open up. But if you do tackle the below the below the uh, waist and the guy hits the ground and he's got to get the play the ball, don't you reward the tackle and make a rule to make sure that they are allowed to get up and you're not allowed to play the ball before they get to the front marker, for instance. So you've got to express it a little bit more as opposed to just thinking, oh, well, what's going to happen directly from that tackle? Because it looks after both things, doesn't it? It takes away that collision, concussion issue that is at the forefront of your decision-making currently. It's all about the brain. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, the way you're describing it. I mean, I think league league and rugby are quite different because you can get tackled in rugby and then just pop the ball to someone. And, and in league, my understanding is you actually have to get up and play it. So I, I get what you're saying. And all I can say is that New Zealand is normally in the forefront of any any experiments or any trials or think very seriously about being involved in the trials and trying to be the leading or one of the leading countries around the game and safety. So... If that is something that needs to be trialled in the future, and that's what players and coaches are telling us, I'm sure New Zealand rugby would would really want to be part of those discussions because ultimately, we want the game to be safe for people to play, enjoyable for people to play, but also a great spectacle for people to watch. And that's the balancing act that everybody in rugby all around the world is trying to get right at the moment. Hey Bryce, just a quick question about the laws and interpretations. Do you feel like at the moment there are just too many and the referees are kind of losing their instinctual and common sense uh, uh, ability to ref a game? Do you feel like there's just too much going on and too many things that, that the refs are trying to referee at the moment? I don't know if there's any more laws is there, than, what the, than what there's always been. There's just a lot more people talking about them and a lot more media mm. scrutiny of them. I mean, you go yeah. out and referee a club game um, and you've got exactly the same laws, but no one's actually watching replays or or there's just a more basic understanding that the referee's doing their absolute best and good on him or she for being there and bloody, you know, helping everybody enjoy the game. And then you go to the elite mm. level where you've got guys or girls, once again, absolutely doing their best and a bloody difficult game to actually referee, you know, well. You can never do it perfectly either but there's just people talking about them and reviewing them and slowing them down and watching it from the reverse angle and that. So it is what it is, really, when it gets to that elite level. I don't think the laws are the problem. It's just the game is actually played at a very high speed, and some of the things like yeah. the breakdown are very complex. But I've always thought the best referees are the ones who can simplify things and just referee the clear and obvious, and actually have their own mm. style that they don't chase, chase perfection, but they just chase a consistent key decisions in certain areas. And really, you know, like you'd know as a top player, all the players want to do is know what the parameters are and then let us play. Yeah, nah, beautiful, beautiful. Quickly, before we let you go, just um, we had a meeting at the start of the year. Speed of play was on the forefront of the referees' minds. Are you happy with the speed of play and the ball and play at the moment with Super Rugby? I think we're getting some pretty good ball at the breakdown and some pretty good attack at times. I still think mm. we can um, speed up some of the set phases a little bit. So we're trying to get the scrums to be formed a bit quicker and um, 
You can mm. see referees encouraging that. You can see referees encouraging, <clears throat> excuse me, that if a player needs to go to the sideline to be treated, then go to the sideline and we, we want to carry on. I just think at times still the line-out's taking a bit long. Um, mm. But look, people are conscious of it. I just think it's um, going to take a little bit of time. I'm, I don't personally like line-outs going into huddles and then having a 20-minute, 20 20-second 20 chat and then walk in. Um, I don't think that's good for the game. We're trying, but it's just an ongoing um, ongoing collaboration between the ref and the players and the coaches, really. Everyone's conscious that the game needs to be kept moving. And I think we're mm. on the right track, but I think we can always do better. Yeah, we can always do better. We appreciate your time on the show, Bryce Lawrence. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much for your honest review and... Uh, just good knowledge of way the game's been refereed at the moment. Thank you so much, mate, and uh, take care, and we'll get you on very, very shortly. Cheers, mate. Have a good day. Yeah, it's Bryce Lawrence. He's honest. Very, mate, that was, very ref- honest. That was didn't really, shy away from the hard question. That was mm. really refreshing, you know, to have someone yep. from a referee's angle. I wanted to ask him the question, like, what was the one thing that he would change in the game like, that he can't get across the, the table? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if he has the liberty to be able to completely open up. But he did a pretty good job about being as honest as he could. 0800-150-811, that's the number. The phone lines are open at about 20 to 9 this morning. We've left a slot here for you because this is your game. Rugby's our game as a country. And you've heard Bryce Lawrence there be open and honest. Were you happy with what he had to say there? Do you understand where he's at with wanting to preserve the game as well as protect the players? And do you think the game's fast enough? All of those questions, all of your thoughts, give us a call 0800 150 811. In about 15 minutes' time, I want to hear from you. We want you to talk to Kempi and Izzy and get stuck. And I've made a couple of notes here about observations we heard out there of Bryce and I'm curious to get the boys' opinions of them. So if you want to join that conversation, I would encourage you to do so. All right, we're going to pace for purpose and chat to Paulie Moati of the TAB in a second. It's 22 minutes away from, uh, past 8 o'clock, I should say. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Baz getting a big win with Kolkata Night Riders this morning. Here with Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day. New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Yes, and like, uh, or unlike a lot of good TV series, Season 2 just gets better terrible joke again two weeks in a row uh tomorrow we're going to addington friday night delight to try and get ourselves a little bit of cash all for child cancer foundation pacing for purpose live the dream hrnz.co.nz race two and this has been picked out for us just like our greyhound his name is swaggerman Daggerman, Swaggerman, nice trial and unlucky last prep. Just popping up, paying pretty decent money as well. We'll see exactly what it opens up at Swaggerman. Race 2, Addington tomorrow night, all in the name of the Child Cancer Foundation. Izzy's already melted our heart this morning with Arlo off for his first day of school, so we know how much it means <laughs> to this show. Swaggerman, race number two, hrnz.co.nz. And if you want to have a little tipple on that, well, you'd head to tab.co.nz where Paulie Mawati, our man, is there on the last day to get your bets in before the Masters kicks off. The tap turned off for Tiger Woods oh. yet, Paulie, or does the cash keep coming? Can we stop the love for Tiger Woods, please? Just can we just stop it? Just just even for half an hour. This is Paul, this is Paulie. ridiculous. Yeah, Paulie, I just have to apologise. I spoke on the Cutline show with you yesterday, and I obviously tipped out Cam Smith. I've changed my mind overnight, and I've gone to Colin Morikawa, mate, paying twenty one dollars, and I put the bet on. So I've changed my mind. It's probably going to sting me, but I just wanted to get that out before uh, you rip me up for saying that I picked Cam Smith yesterday. I've changed my mind. Okay. 
Well, we've already done the graphics for your pick, uh, Izzy, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not Colin Morikawa. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, no. So uh, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, I guess you'll have two in the running: Cam Smith maybe, and Colin Morikawa. <laughs> maybe you need to make yes. a dagger Quinella. Work out what one-two finishes paying. Probably I, love, I love the bucks. name too. I love the name, the dagger. The dagger Quinella. And then you... <laughs> Go the plunge. Go the plunge with the dagger. All right, Paulie. Um, you, for those that haven't seen the cut line, quickly, who's your tip? I really like the look of Xander Shoffley. Um, he, he's had a runner-up there at uh, Augusta. He's finished third there. Uh, all his stats point towards a very good finish. Uh, this weekend, I'm fairly sure he's going to make the uh, cut. What is he? Uh, he's 25th in driving distance, 35th in greens and regulation, 29th in par five scoring, first in three putt avoidance, 11th in putting average, 16th in and tee green. I really do like the look of Xander. I've backed him myself. Um, I've, I've just had a look at the board. Um, we've just taken. Well, last night. We took a two thousand dollar bet on Tiger Woods at forty one dollars to win the Masters. <laughs> Whoa! This, That's this is just, oh. Oh, hold on, and we've taken a we, we took a fifteen hundred dollar bet on Cam Smith at fifteen dollars. There was a lot. <laughs> 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 Scotty Schaefer's coming um, in today, mate. He'll be flying and low. Stop, <laughs> stop ratting the boys Don't. out, Kimpy. I'm just wondering if you can rattle off those stats like that about Sean Johnson, mate. That was impressive. <laughs> oh, good luck to you, the Warriors, and I'm glad you mentioned them because uh, the second best backed uh, individual team at the moment are the Warriors. So Tiger Woods is the best backed individual uh, uh, in the TAB at the moment. Second behind him is the Warriors at the moment. So if Tiger Woods wins and the Warriors win, we are done. And rounding out the trifecta, it's Cinerama <laughs> to really nail the coffin. It's yeah, you close that in fast. <laughs> I, 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 there's, some, there's another runner we should be looking at. No, well, how come no, the book's not open? No, no, no. Putting that to bed. Cold water all over that. 28 away from nine. TAB.co.nz. Paulie Moati. He always just wants to. He always pushes the ba- the ballot there, Paul. He always just tries to squeeze a little bit too much out of you. And we'll catch up with Pip tomorrow. Here is Utterhold with the news for Kubota. After that, 0800 150 811. Your thoughts on the refereeing Super Rugby at the moment. We want to hear from you. Here is Utterhold for Six away from nine o'clock this morning. The Rainbird rain gauge is filling all the way up over in Sydney. Edward Cummings told us that Joas won't mind the heavy track because she is, well, match fit and race fit. But dearie me, they've had a lot of rain over there on the Western Island. Uh, Champions League at the moment, boys. Villarreal up 1-0 against Bayern. We've got Chelsea down 3-1 to Real Madrid. So we're keeping a close eye on the Champions League. Liverpool yesterday 3-1 over Benfica City. De Bruyne stealing it late against Atletico Madrid. Bryce Lawrence, the boss of the referees at New Zealand Rugby, he is nothing but honest and he fronts each time, which is what we love about Bryce. He talked about what makes a good referee and I thought this was interesting. Because ultimately, we want the game to be safe for people to play, enjoyable for people to play, but also a great spectacle for people to watch. And that's the balancing act that everybody in rugby all around the world is trying to get right at the moment. 
So, Izzy, my question for you, and we want you to be involved on 0800 and anybody can answer this. Bryce wants the game to be open, and he did make mention that the game has outgrown probably the laws in the rule book because the, the game has been played at a cutting-edge level now. The athletes are faster, the bigger, the stronger. The pace of the ruck and the breakdown is so quick that the game has probably outgrown the laws. The good refs ref clear and obvious in the laws that matter mm. to them, and they interpret that, and they just stay consistent. So does the rule book need to be stripped apart and probably condensed by about 100%? What do you reckon, Izzy? I, th- I totally think that needs to happen. That's why I asked them the question about the laws and interpretations. There are so many laws that the referees are trying to ref at the moment and trying to keep an eye on that they're actually losing sight of what's going on in front of them because they've got so many interpretation and laws going on in their head. They lose their, in, uh, their you know, their, their kind of insights or their instincts, I should say, on, on what's happening right in front of them and making clear decisions on what they're seeing. So, yeah, I think there needs to be an overhaul of, of the rules. Um, you know, the common sense rules, the the one that have built that has built the great game to what it is now are the ones that need to stay, but it's the other laws that are that are affecting the game at the moment that just need a real uh, big overhaul at the moment. So, yeah, I totally think that needs to happen, Louis. Tempe? Lots of rules, lots of rules. I'm, mm. I'm going to go right left field here. I think, you know, something like a CBA Izzy and rugby league referees and rugby union referees should all go and sit in the same room and do all this work together and save both games from being over refed <laughs> and then put the best referees up front and get them to ref make them ref both games. <laughs> I actually think <laughs> I, I actually think <laughs> that's a good Can idea. Can you see Billy Harrigan refereeing an all black game? <laughs> um yeah. A lot of uh, different <laughs> rules and different uh, the way styles are played. Um, but, you know, I actually do think league referees uh, are the are kind of like the benchmark with the way they ref. The one thing that really bugs me at the moment is the bunker. Bunker. The bunker needs to Oh, probably, get rid of the bunker. You know, get rid of it. Go away. Because that's just, they're relying on the bunker too much in league. But I think the way that they are able to keep the game flowing and not a stop-start style of, of match and, and refereeing match that we're seeing at the moment. I think that's where league leads. Um, and with that, whether that's just left, less rules and less interpretations in the game of league, it probably is that because they don't have rucks, scrums and line-outs and things like that. They've gone to ref. But the game of style of play and the way that it's able to be flow, flowing a lot better is, is better in league. Is I just want to ask you a question. How, mm-hmm. come, how come more players don't get involved in refereeing? You know, we saw, um, is it Glenn Jackson? Yep. Glenn Jackson yep. from Waikato get involved in the game and did a really good job. Probably doesn't pay enough. Is, yeah. is, is that a, like, seriously, is that a... Nah, I don't, I don't think it's the pay. I, I actually feel like a lot of the players, I can only speak on my behalf, is when you finish the game of rugby, you've done it your whole life, you kind of want to test your orders in something else, you know, that you've got a, a big life ahead of you. And I, I felt like when I finished, I fell out of love with the game and I didn't love the game. I think if you're going to go into refereeing, you've really got to be passionate. So why don't they you've get... got to have a real sense of love for the game. So you're in the top 2%, all right? So you're in the top 2% that was taking all the golf clubs from Mizuno. Um, what about the what about the middle blokes that were you know getting their golf club out of the boot of the Mizuno guy well, I think that it, didn't play? How come you couldn't offer them a career in re- well, refereeing? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is he? But is Kane, Kane right. Hames still involved? Um, his, no, he's not. Oh, he's not. Okay, <laughs> let's backtrack yeah. on that. But I know that like he that, was. He was though. I think it was more of a um, injury. 
I think he got concussions. He's having quite problems with with that. Yeah. Um, it's a good hmm. question, Kempi, and that's probably a, it is probably part of, part of a solution. One text before we head off, and then it's all about you on the phone lines. And we've got a couple of calls stacked up already, so if you want to get in, start calling now. Hey, boys, Dom here. What I have a problem with is if Caleb Clark was reckless, but still in a way was an accident, correct? But what Nipolalala did for those shoulders to the head was blatantly did on purpose. Like that's what makes no sense to me. And I think Nepo was three weeks as well. And if Caleb Clark is three weeks, one is not the same. And that's a really, really mm. good point, Dom, and I appreciate you, what you're making sense of there. Okay, after this, it's you on 0800 150 811, the Kennard's High phone line. We'll talk to you soon. It is 21 minutes away from nine. Shop the Maggie's Magnesium range at Chemist Warehouse, now starting from just $3.19. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Temper bedpost text machine on fire. Uh, geez, thank God Kempi isn't on the ideas panel for refereeing. Maybe rugby refs can umpire nipple too. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if that was Izzy, me, or just 99% of New Zealand that texts that. Give, give Kempi a bit of credit. I know what he is trying to say. Like They can oh. bounce ideas off each other, but refereeing the Eyeless Codes is, is a big ask. But, uh, uh, you know, you got to give Uncle Credit. Uncle credit That's what they said about iPhones. Never happen. <laughs> Kempi <laughs> oh likes to think of himself as a pioneer, an entrepreneur. Oh. Uh, the Kenata phone line's running hot. All right, let's get into it. Quick fire, talk Stay with us, Kempi. Fifteen minutes to go, brother. Dean on 0800-150-811. Dean, what's your experience with refing in New Zealand, mate? You're down there in Dunedin. Oh yeah, mate. I got into it because I, I didn't quite get the rugby career that I sort of planned on having. Um, thought I had to crack at this with the kids. And then I thought I'd go a bit further. But honestly, like, the, I don't know whether it's an intelligent thing or it's... I'm not sure, but I really battled with it. Like, Paddy O'Brien was the only person that kept me going. I started at the same time as Gappy. And uh, it was just really hard work. Like, the two hours with people that knew every rule. Every rule. But they had no idea what that rule meant. Like, for me, rugby's pretty simple. Knock on, forward pass, stay on side, and let it flow. Like, it's not, there's too many rules. Like, for me, the mall, for example, I'm sick of it. Like, they're all offside. The ball's at the back. Everyone's in front of you. Get rid of it. Like, you don't need it. It's just boring to watch. <laughs> it's <a great> call. <laughs> Bloody boring. And they're offside. Like, it's dumb. The rules are dumb, yeah, man. Like, there's not even a mall. Is it a mall or a ruck? Like, one of them, I still heard Steve Hansen say, it's not even in the rule book. <laughs> and it's really in the game all the time. It's like, well, you've got lawyers and accountants, mate, running the game that have never played the game. They've got no feel for the game, but they love meetings. You know? It was hard work. I told Patty, just two hours, mate, I can't do this. Like, it's like extracting teeth, listening to them. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Now I, I I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, Dino. Obviously, a lot of rules that the refs are trying to officiate and interpret at the moment, and uh, simplifying the game as I think where they need to go, mate. Appreciate your call as always. Passionate, Dino from Dunedin. Have a good day, brother. We're going to cross over and have we chat to Zaid, and Zaid's on the line, and he's always insightful as always. Morning, Zaid. What have you got good, for us, bud? Good morning. Good, good morning, Izzy Dag and our old Tony Kemp. Good morning, Zaidy. Morning, Zaid. Um, on, what do you got, on, the, on the um, Caleb Clark red card, three weeks suspension, mate, it's a joke. Um, like you were saying, mm. what, what, what's rugby, mate? If, you, if you're going to stay on the ground, there's no, what's the use of playing rugby? Absolute joke. Mm. He was just jumping in there. 
tackling him. His knee accidentally knocked him out. Wasn't Caleb Clark's fault. They were both jumping in the air because in rugby you're meant to jump to try and catch the ball. And yeah, he knocked him out. But a red card's fair enough, and just leave it at that. Um, and they're just throwing out red cards like lollies on a lolly scrum. Got <laughs> Nepo Lalala three week suspension. Shamo Klein three week suspension. Um, the um, Fijian drew a captain. Yeah, mate. Um, we hear we hear and the the thing with it is they set a precedent. That's the problem. They set a precedent. Um, appreciate your calls, Zade. That was awesome. I, I agree with you. You can't jump up and down on the same spot in rugby league uh, or rugby union. You're actually moving at 100 miles an hour and you're 120 kilos like Caleb Clark. It is going to hurt if you put your head on his hip. It ain't his fault. And I actually think three weeks is harsh. Uh, the question is now, Kempi, does he go and fight that? Has Do to they win. turn around and try and fight that? And then if they, if they lose that, he potentially runs the risk of actually getting more if I'm correct, they actually uh, will will give you a four to five weeks off if he fights. If he wins, obviously it'll be a great cause. But has he got a good, um, uh, you know, good fight? Mate, to, hi to Johnny Cochran. Oh, is he? Uh, he he has to. But he has to because they have to have to draw a line and they have to try and set a precedent here because it's insane. Zade pointed it out. We had another text. How does Caleb Clark get the same length of ban as Crusaders Hooker who dropped the shoulder, yeah. tucked the arm to the contact of the opposition player? It is not consistent. It's insane. So they have to fight it for the good of rugby. Uh, Bruce has come through an I hundred one five oh eight eleven. Bruce, you're down there in God's Land, aka Canterbury, aka Christchurch. Uh, what do you reckon hey, of these bad bad tackles, mate? Well, can I, can I reverse it around the other way? Some at some point, there has to be a liability on a player producing um, more than one reckless tackle for a season, or whatever. And I'm not sure legally where this goes and. Where, where they sit, but there must be a precedent and a protocol with, that they understand legally. Because remember, remember these head highs years ago in the in the NRL. Um, who was the Kiwi guy who got badly? Joseph, ah. Joseph Manu. No, he was after he ended up selling real estate and stuff. Lance O'Hire. No, I can't <laughs> remember his name. But he, he got he got hit really really bad and suffered really poorly for quite a while. And I remember him he he was he had a lawsuit. But anyway, I, I'm not sure where they stand because there mm. there is technique. There's is a that technique Jared McCracken? With McCracken, that's it. All right, mm. and I know there must be a legal position. You can't you you simply can't jump up and put your legs out in front of you with your feet up. It is. Absolutely reckless, uh, and you see other people jumping up and catching the ball. Their arms are higher up, and their legs are more vertical. Geordie Barrett's a bit better, I think. That they don't have to jump that way, and they know what mm. they're doing very much. Yeah, I, Bruce. Yep. Take take your point there, Bruce. Is he look? You've been in a position. Is it hard to like control your body in the air? Um. Look, I'll be honest. We've we've we're taught to to brace because. You want all the tools and you want all things to be able to keep yourself safe. So raising the knees is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of an uh, advantage for you because the player that's running towards to compete will get a knee in the rib and then he won't do that again. So, look, it is it is coached and it is taught and I can understand where Bruce is coming from. I think the repetitive 
offences of players. You look at the Fijian Drua halfback on the weekend. He, I think he took four players yeah. around the head Recidivist four defender. times in a row. And then, yeah, so like those, those are the ones we're trying to stamp out. Big time. But it's the ones that are, are just, they are not uh, forceful. They're not intentionally trying to, to head high the players. And they put themselves into positions where they are vulnerable and then they are making contact with the head. Those are the ones that are the question marks. Um, the recidable uh, offenders, yeah, get rid of them. But the ones that aren't doing it intentionally, then there's got to be some sort of law. But loved it. Passionate as always. Bang on, Daggy. Great to hear from you on the Ken Atai phone line as well. Well done, guys. We love it every morning. Boys, somebody needs to cook Dino a feed of mints on toast. He's right about everything oh, and so on. passionate. Couple of eggs. He must be hungry by 9am. Kimberly. Yeah, bang on there, Kimberly. All right, we'll sleep <laughs> on it with the doyen, Ian Smith, after this. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.